What's good? It's Kelvin Cannon, publisher, Megan the Magazine. Uh, starting off our, our industry conversations uh, audio blog series. Today, I got my man Nick Love. Um, I don't even know how to introduce this man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I first, first met him, he was uh, over at CTE, uh, watched the transition. Um, going uh, When you left CTE, I think mm-hmm. then you were doing the events over at the Park Tavern. You had yeah. the R&B artists. <laughs> Um, saw you step into the coalition DJs right. and turn that that like a band of brothers into like a conglomerate, yeah. like uh, stretching across the country. Uh, that happened, uh, and now you you striking off and, and got some new ventures that you that you about to jump into. But absolutely, uh, I guess that's a long ass introduction. <laughs> can't, can't really just throw a title out there. What, yeah, I mean, what, what, what would one call you? Um, right, I would call myself a, uh, a a music business innovator and foodie. That's those are my two titles right now. You know okay. what I'm saying? Um, like you said, you met me when I was doing CTE. So I mean, I've been I was the VP of marketing at CTE for Young Jeezy. I got that job back in like 2002, and um, you know held that down for shoot 2008. Mm-hmm. And then I left CTE and went on and created the Coalition DJs in 2008 as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, we've known each other for a while, man. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, 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 I got an interesting history yeah. in the music business, you know, being born and raised here in Atlanta. So, yeah, I, I, I got a bit. So, how did you fall into that position of being the VP of marketing over at CTE? Did you, did you go to school for marketing or were yeah. you just... Okay, so... Yeah, so, so what happened was... I graduated from high school in 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, born and raised here in Atlanta. So my second semester of college, a buddy of mine uh, by the name of Nasty, um, we went to high school together. And a friend of mine, my homegirl Erica, was like, yo, you know, Nick, I know you do music. I used to sing and rap and everything. I wanted to be like Nate. Oh, no. man, you're going to have to you gonna have to bust out. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even remember none of like, the old songs, but like... We wanted to be the dog pound so bad, dog. I wanted to be Nate Dog, and my partner was rapping. I had a partner that produced and everything. So my homegirl Erica was like, yo, you should hit, you know, Arnez. You know, he played the piano. He produced. I said, for real? I didn't even know he did music. And um, we linked up. And he was like, yeah, I produce, man. And, you know, like, I, just to even go back, I got voted most talented at my high school. Because mm-hmm. everybody knew I rapped and sang and everything. So it was mm-hmm. well known. I never knew about my partner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my partner, he, you know, I hook up with him. We started doing music together. We had other friends that we pulled in. And we had this whole little, you know, little, little situation going. Yeah. And so we were working out of this studio called Meta Music, right mm-hmm. off of William Street, right mm-hmm. downtown, like next to the old Hot Beats. Okay. And um, we were paying this guy, Jason McPhee, who's one of my mentors. We paid him $1,000, right, to consult us. Mm-hmm. And we got done with the music. We brought him the music. And he says, all right, cool. Now, how y'all going to get it out? Mm-hmm. And we were like, shit, I don't know. Like... We thought, you know, we just make songs and it happens. It just happens. <laughs> it just magically falls in your lap. People just start paying you money. Yeah. And um, he was like, no, nah, that's stupid. That's the dumbest thing I've heard in my life. <laughs> so he was like, all right, cool. So everybody come to the office. We're going to have a meeting and, you know, bring bring the whole crew up. And he started giving us jobs. He was like, all right, you know, Nasa, you the producer, so you just do what you do. He's like, all right, you know, City, you do this, this one, you do this, this one, that. And Nick, you're going to do the marketing. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, you're the one that's going to go talk to the DJs and talk to the radio people and, you know, you'll pass out flyers and you'll be on the creative side. He's like, you know, you're real personable. You know how to talk to people. That'll be your job. And I was like, 
right. <laughs> but you know, I, he just really handed me the job. Yeah. I had no experience, didn't know nothing. I actually changed my major because I was going to Georgia State at the time. And I yeah. changed it to marketing so I could try to figure out what I was doing. And um, I ended up kind of just falling into it, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I actually picked up another client completely by accident to pass out some flyers and they paid me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, I ain't never made no money doing music. <laughs> but I can make money doing this marketing thing. Yeah. I like this. So, um, you know, I do that for a little while. I end up interning at DTP. My mm-hmm. homeboy Goose gave me a job over there. So I did Bobby V's first album. Um, now again, then I got a situation with the Backwoods um, mm-hmm. through Dallas Austin and his team because actually my man Big Mark, who was in the group, they had the record, You Gonna Love Me. Yeah. Me and Big Mark went to high school together. So, you know, he found out about what I was doing at DTP. I go over there with them. I'm making my moves, and in the process of working the Backwoods record, I started going out of town. Mm-hmm. I started going to Augusta, Macon, anything that was like within like a two-hour radius, Columbus. And um, that's how I met Jeezy. I met Jeezy in Macon. Okay. Still Lil' J? He was Lil' J. They were, <laughs> actually, they were Top Guns Entertainment. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, Young Guns. Young oh, Guns. They okay. were Young Guns Entertainment at the time. And, um, you know, so fast forward a little while. I get a job. My mom was like, listen, like, you got to get a job, job. Like, I had a child. On the, I actually had a child on the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was with my, my oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, listen, you got to get a, a job. So she gets me this job at the Fulton County Tag Office. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually doing the license plates and giving them out. Lo and behold, one afternoon, Kinky B walks in. Uh-huh. He goes to another window. And my mind you, everybody at the job knows I want to do music. I'm the, only, I'm the youngest guy in there. And I'm yeah. always about, got my headphones on. Very much into the music business the whole nine. And all these old ladies, they didn't really know what I wanted to do, but they just knew I wanted to not be there. Yeah. So um, he leaves the window. One of the, the lady who helped him was like, hey, do you know that guy? I was like, no, nah, who is he? They said his name is De- uh, Demetrius, but mm-hmm. he works for this thing called uh, Corporate Thugs and Tamers. They changed the name. I yeah. said, I'll be back. So I get up out my desk. Yeah. I'll catch him outside. Mind you, I got the shirt and tie on the whole yeah. nine. I look like <laughs> a guy at work. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, man, I know Jeezy. I met him. I work records, blah, blah, blah. He's like, that's crazy because we just, you know, just booed everything up to Atlanta. We got a house up in Alpharetta mm-hmm. and we started the label. And um, we finna really get this thing kicked off. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm like, what's up? And he's still kind of giving me this look like, you look like a real. Yeah, you look square. You look square. <laughs> like, I don't know if you can hang with him. I'm like, listen, man, listen, if I tell you how I met Jeezy, you're gonna trip. Cause yeah. If he tells you where he met me at when I was what I was doing, mm-hmm. you'll know that this is what I got on. Don't let this fool you. Yeah. He says, all right, man, call me. You know, give me a call. So I probably called him for maybe about two, three weeks. Finally, mm-hmm. he was like, yo, come to the house. I came out to the house, and it was like, this is it. Now, mind you, they working out of this big-ass house, black carpet, gray walls. It was like dark. and just like a dungeon in the house, right? Yeah. Studio downstairs, bunch of hood niggas. And um, he's like, so what you want to do? I said, can y'all pay me? He said, yeah, what you want? I told him what I wanted. He was like, yeah, that's, that's doable. Bet. I went to work the next day, <laughs> left a job with benefits and everything to go work out a nigga house. <laughs> and in hindsight, I would never advise anybody to do that. But long story short, like that's how I ended up with this job. And it just happened to pan out for me. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's a couple interesting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's where we at right now, especially with like the music industry and just black people, it's like this disconnect between the older and younger generation. Like, Absolutely, it's like I want your thoughts on mentorship because it was actually someone else, like who was doing something for you that told you, no, this is based on who you are and how you move, and this right. is what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And then even 
you get and that puts you in a position to make money and then later to be at a job and knowing having people older at your job not hey no you're not right. like you ain't getting too many hours or that type of stuff right. like hey do you know who this person is and right. putting you in position so uh how do you feel about like just mentorship and, and like the the role that just older people other people have played in and helping put you in position and like how are you doing that with the, the generation that comes up be, behind us? So, I mean, I got two answers for that. I got okay. one that I want. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely a disconnect between the generation, you know, even prior to mine, but definitely the, 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 the generation higher than them. Mm-hmm. So I would say two generations before me and then the generation that's after me. I kind of feel like I'm in this little weird stopgap middle ground right now. I'm 35 years old. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this since essentially 1999 and have done really, really well for myself. So I agree that there's a disconnect. And I agree that there's a, a need for mentorship. Um, what I will say is this. One, I'm actually working on a book right now called uh, Shining in the Shadows. Well, basically, it's my attempt to give kids an idea of all the jobs that are going on behind the scenes. Because um, one thing, like I said, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I always thought that you had to be the rapper, the singer, the dancer in order to make money in the music business. But... When I go talk to kids, they still feel that way. I thought yeah. with the plethora of information on the internet and books and all of that stuff, they would know like you don't They're have to be. worse now. I like, agree because they are more rappers. It's well. Here's the thing: it's so much easier, right? <laughs> like, Absolutely. Like, and this is my personal thing: it's like there's no rapping isn't a talent. No. Like singing, you got to be born with it. Someone can right. easily tell you no. You can't, right. you can't sing. <laughs> but rapping is so subjective that mm-hmm. it's like. He's speaking my truth. Like, right. all right, well then, it's, there you it's have your, it. your truth is your truth. I can argue with it. Yeah. But I mean, it's 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 bad because I look around sometimes, and I, I you know, like you said, it might just be my personal preference. Yeah. I don't think that so and so can rap, right? But I always look at crews. When I go to studios, I always look mm-hmm. at the crew, mm-hmm. um, especially when I really like an artist because I yeah. look at his friends and I'll say, okay, what are the friends doing? And uh, oftentimes the friends are just kind of hanging. Yeah, but. The first thing that pops in my mind is like something that I always want to do is pull the team and the artist to the side and say, listen, I don't know y'all from a can of paint. Or sometimes I do. But, yo, you, just from watching you from afar, the same way Jason like told me what I should do. Mm-hmm. I want to say, you know what? You could be the role manager. You could be the marketing guy. You could be the publicist. You could be the chef. You could be the, the trainer. You, could, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. There are ways that your team can be beneficial and useful. And, and added bonus to what you're doing versus just being hanger-ons. And I think a lot of artists are either afraid or just not aware enough to say, you know what, my team needs to really be a team and not just goons yeah. or just my homeboys. I'm just toting around because toting your homeboys around is expensive. Yeah. Toting your road manager around and your trainer and toting, you know, and your personal chef is now an ass. They're assets now. And a write-off. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I also feel like this this is something that I've had conversations with other people about, which is somewhat controversial. I feel like the generation before me, they didn't do a good job of putting my generation on on point. Mm-hmm. And I say that to say this, like when you look at some of the like the LA Reeds with LaFace, the Clive Davises, the Russell Simmons. Those guys, like I said, this is the generation I would consider two generations ago, right? Yeah. I feel like they spawned an entire generation of people who went on to become executives, A&Rs, and all that. Those people did a terrible job to me of handing the baton over to our generation. 
Yeah. And not to say that they had to or, you know, I deserve the right to get the baton. But, you know, like, because I understand some people are like, yo, I'm not ready to go. Like, so I'm not going to hand over the baton because <laughs> I'm still here. But I think what they've done is rather than hand the baton or even teach us how to play the game, how they learned it, mm-hmm. what they've tried to do is absorb us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So instead of saying, hey, Nick, you should run a label. I'm going to show you how to run the label so you can find your own talent and have your own overhead staff and your building and the whole nine. It's like, hey, Nick, come work for me. Yeah. And it's like, but I don't want to work for you. And not even in a disrespectful way, but it like, I'll never forget this conversation I had. I had a conversation with Ted Lucas from Slip and Slide. Mm-hmm. This was maybe a year or two ago. And we were, we were going to do a joint venture on an artist between coalition DJs and Slip and Slide. Mm-hmm. We sat down at dinner. We was in Miami. He flew us down to Miami. And I sat in the dinner across from him right on the beach in this really, really nice restaurant. And I said, yo, I said, no disrespect. I said, but how do you feel about not putting your name on the project? And I kind of saw his face like, like he was offended. Yeah, yeah. He was offended, but he he thought about it. And he didn't really say much. We kind of carried on the conversation. He got up and went to the bathroom and came back. He's like, you know what, man? I'm going to be honest with you. He said, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way when you Mm -hmm. asked me that. He said, but I can dig it. He said, one, I appreciate you even saying anything. Mm-hmm. And I said, yo, it wasn't no disrespect. I said, but I got to be honest with you. The Slip and Slide name is a very 90s or yeah. early 2000s-ish brand. I, can, I, don't, I won't eat the times, right? But I'll say early 2000s. Yeah. That brand is very dated to a certain degree. And it wasn't disrespect, but it was just saying, hey, like in 2013, whatever it was, the slip and slide name doesn't carry the same weight that it had when Trick and Trina and all of them were popping. Yeah. And it's the same thing that I would say for a lot of labels. Now, and I won't go into names yeah. and listing them, but there are labels that were very hot in the late 90s, early 2000s that... Five years ago. Hey, <laughs> absolutely. But if a kid told you in yeah. 2016 that they signed to them, you'd be like, what? Why? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because times have changed. So it's like, again, no disrespect, but why would I want to go work for... Uh, Ichiban Records that was hot in the Booty Shake era. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I don't want to work for Ichiban and carry the Ichiban name into 2016. I want to create some new thing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I think that this previous generation, they weren't they weren't great mentors in a lot of ways. Not mm-hmm. a, you know not across the board, but I mean just as a general statement, the the kids that were interns in the 90s mm-hmm. that became execs in the 2000s, they were not very gracious in. You know, creating new opportunities for the people that came behind them. Now, one of the things that I was talking to someone about is just kind of, it was the perfect storm, uh, like uh, the technology changeover, mm-hmm. where you had, like, for one, like CDs, burnt, CDRs dropped to like 50 cent. Um, every computer came with a CD burner on it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even like the major bootlegging operations or anything like that. Right. It's just where now anyone, it's the casual bootlegging. Like, oh, <laughs> burn me a copy. All right, they, that's killing you. Not, so, the, right. not the guy at the gas station. Right. Not the guy pumping out with machines <laughs> and the whole line. It's just like <laughs> your friend. Yeah. like She's so, a default bootlegger. And like I, was, like, I was the biggest fan of Mystical. Absolutely. And that was the first CD that I bootlegged. Like, I got it early. So I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I got your copies here. Go get me right. five Like, right. <laughs> And not even thinking about it. But right. it's, and, and it's like, at that point, you have um, the, the it becoming so economical and the profit margin so high at this time where everybody's going platinum. Like, if you ain't going platinum 
Right. If you ain't at least going gold, it's like you you're a failure. Right. Like so, like the sales was crazy high. Then, but it, it turned into like a, a hit driven um, industry instead of the actual record. So it was like get the single, and then we gonna loot the budget. And I'm gonna put my homeboy on the project. Absolutely. I'm gonna get my kickback. So we got the two singles we need to sell it. Absolutely. And then we're gonna fill the rest of it up and get our kickbacks. Absolutely. And then now you got a consumer that's like, well, why am I gonna buy the damn album if it's full of mm-hmm. bullshit? I, I just wanted the single. So Absolutely. now I'm just gonna burn it. Mm-hmm. So like you got like that, that, that was that generation. That mm-hmm. was in that time period where it was just like, and, and I, and I, and, and it's crazy. Speaking on this, because, okay, going from, like, the CTE and going to, like, the No Limit. Like, it was, like, the whole, the street culture moved mm-hmm. into the music industry. Right. So, it's the jug mentality that came along with it. Let me tell you the funniest thing. I, I, I was just thinking about this other day. Tim Ferriss, the guy who wrote The 4-Hour Workweek, mm-hmm. I was listening to an audio CD of the interview that he did. And one of the things that he said, uh, I actually, the person who was interviewing Tim Ferriss asked him, he said, well, you know, what's the question that you ask people? That seems to get the most interesting answer. Tim Ferriss said, the question that he most likes to ask really important, significant people is, what is something that you believe that most people believe is crazy or that most people disagree with? And I thought about it to myself. I was like, you know, what is something that I believe? Mm -hmm. And the funniest thing in the world is, I believe that Master P had a lot to do with the downfall of hip hop. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, my front, my homeboy Ray Daniels actually did a video <laughs> on it on YouTube, and they destroyed him online for it. But it's funny because I think me and him actually had that conversation, yeah. and he carried it out and put it on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, people <laughs> called him every name in the book. But what he said was exactly what me and him had spoke about. P started with the putting all your homeboys on and mm-hmm. signing people who were marginally talented. Some people were great. I had yeah. my favorites. I had Mystical and Fiend and Mia X. And then you had the those other guy. actual people who rap though. Absolutely. Like, but then you start seeing the CDs and you like, for real, like you just really just yeah. signing anybody, right? Yeah. Then you had the 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 dropping the music every week, every two weeks. I remember skipping school yeah. to go get No Limit CDs from Best Buy. Yeah, I gotta get the one with the red case. Like, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, it was that continuous stream of music. It was the. Like you said, having a great, you know, make them say, um, would be the big single. Yeah. It would be like the one that was in the club. And then you have the rest of the album be like, yeah. this is just stuff. Any No Limit Project, you get it. It was the unwrapping. Right. Like the first thing you did was mm-hmm. go to the song. Find the soldier fail. Find the soldier song or find the <laughs> mystical, mystical song. song. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was like, okay, all right. That got me through the week. <laughs> Absolutely. And then the rest of it was like, you know, there would be eight songs in the middle, 10 songs in the middle yeah. of nothing. So I, I feel like. His formula, which has made him millions of dollars and made him a successful businessman and a hustler, mm-hmm. what it did was create the attitude of, oh, I can do that. Yeah. Because Pete, because you know one thing I've never heard Pete say, and I could be completely wrong. I've never heard Pete say, man, I just love his music. I just love the, yeah. the I just love creating music. Yeah. P has always been, I love the business. Yeah. I love the hustle of it. I love getting money. And like I said, that attitude, while it was original and groundbreaking at the time has led to a generation of people who are just like, oh, I can just get in here and make some money? Yeah. And I just got to just say random shit and do wild <laughs> shit and I can just get paid? Yeah. I want to do that. And there's no gatekeepers. There's no barrier to entry. There's nobody stopping you from doing that. That's what, And that's what I was speaking on is how technology, 
Like he he set up the blueprint, mm-hmm. and then technology caught up. Yeah, that perfect storm where yes. you still had like if if someone was a producer like mm-hmm. late nineties, mm-hmm. early two thousands, you know they they had an MPC that they spent twenty five on, right? Or a Triton they spent mm-hmm. thirty five on the Triton. Like, like, so, Triton. Yeah, so, Triton was expensive. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So. But now, when you can get a copy of burnt, a bootleg copy of Fruity Loops from your homeboy, so like now everybody's a producer. Everybody got Pro Tools. Everybody got it all. Like they, you know, like I said, they got a burnt copy of yeah. this, a burnt copy of that. They still spend money on the equipment, but it's yeah. it's nowhere near the um, the. It doesn't have the same cachet yeah. anymore. Yeah, like when you tell people like I, they got a studio in the box right now. Right now, like in March, there's gonna be an influx of mixtapes. Right. From the studio on the box that people got for Christmas, right? Like right now, they mm-hmm. like they 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 on SoundClick right now, getting mm-hmm. a twenty dollar beats, mm-hmm. and it's like it made it accessible, right? Which is great. Access but is great to me. It, no, no, it, okay, but it's great. But you still need like there's no quality control. No, no, and and, and technology removes the quality yeah. control. Because, like you said, in the early '90s or you know late 2000s, you know, especially before then, you had to actually know somebody to get on. You mm-hmm. had to know the, know somebody to be able to get into a studio and record. You had to know somebody who would be willing to take that music up to a label or an exec to hear it. Like there was so many things you had to go through that the stuff that came out it had already been through a few layers of, I guess, quality control. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, and of course, there still were bad albums still were made. And we probably missed out on some of the greatest projects that just never got heard. But absolutely, absolutely, it was like a given. Like it, it was a given and take, right? Yeah. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think that when I look back at you know the '90s, right, and even the early 2000s, I think that there was a those people were stars to me. And maybe because I was younger, maybe it's because I looked at them from a different perspective, whatever the case may be. But I look at Usher, Usher's a star. And Usher's been a star for a while. Yeah. TLC hasn't put out an album in years, but they're still they're stars. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Tony Braxton, they just did a movie about her the other day. Like, Tony Braxton is a star. Yeah. No song, no albums, you know, like really haven't been super relevant like they used to be. But these people are still icons in what they did and what they contributed to the game. Nowadays, artists kind of come and go. Producers yeah. come and go, which is even crazier to me yeah. because we've seen producers come in and have a hot summer. Yeah. And then it's like, yo, what happened to him? Oh, why don't nobody buy beats from him well, no more? And we we talked about that before. Is the um, same thing with that barrier to entry? Mm-hmm. Like, and I was speaking on a production panel, and it was just like people are buying the tag, They're right. not buying your beat. Like, they're buying the, it's eighty the people on SoundClick right now who can. There's nothing you could like. I would say beats are like sandwiches. Like, and but so many ways you can make it. You got Absolutely. bread, bread, stuff in the middle. Right, that's it. That's, <laughs> so, that's what a sandwich so, is. Right. So, so then, so like, you get to a point where anything you do, like, there's nothing you can do on a beat that someone can't in two weeks be on SoundClick with Mike Will style beats or right. whatever it is. They get the sound kit and they selling it, and it's like this culture where uh, of of no one wanting to deviate. Right. Like everybody, and I hear this with artists and everyone when I do consulting, is like n- nobody wants to be put in the box. Don't put me in the box. I want to do this, that, and the other. But nobody wants to think outside of the box at the same time. So, right. like, where are you existing? Right. So, like, so speaking to the point where you were talking about with the producers, mm-hmm. um, like, them not, not, not really having that longevity anymore is like, I think, I think David Banner would be the first one. 
that I can really recall where it was like it was tagged in the beat. Like, right. That's why you okay, yeah, that's a David Banner beat. So Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, where to exactly. where it was a consumer based thing where it, uh, as uh, as just a consumer, I know that's a David Banner beat, so I'm gonna listen to it. Right. And and, and then we got to the point where everybody like, started doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the and it became a marketing game. Yeah. Which I always played in my favor because that's what I did. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, it became less about the beat and more about how big the name attached to the beat was. Mm-hmm. So the hotter that name was, the hotter the beat. You know, and I said that you know it was quotations. The hotter the beat was. Yeah. Um. But that's the game that we you know that we're in right now. So it's like, how do you make the most of a game that's kind of been bastardized a little bit? You know what I'm saying? It's sad because I think we've removed a lot of the value from what we do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it bothers me from the standpoint of this. Like black people are some of the most creative and you know innovative people on this earth. But a lot through our fault, but mm-hmm. also through no fault of our own. Like. We, we 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 devalue what we do a lot. You know what I'm saying? And it's sad like how putting our name on something or you know slapping a tag on something or doing something that was supposed to be for promotion. The mixtape game yeah. was initially for promotion. It was yeah. like I'm gonna get hot so I can make this album and then go sell it and do all that. But now hell, we're giving the albums out for free now. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We're doing free EPs and free almost free albums, hopefully just so we can get a show. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like and I hate to be the guy that's like, well, the white people don't do that, but they don't. Taylor yeah. Swift doesn't do mixtapes. Like, yeah. you know, Justin Bieber's not doing mixtapes. Like, they're they're still maintaining that level of so professionalism, I guess is the word I want to use. One of the things is with the, the, the type of rap that a lot of times we speaking of, the hip-hop, mm-hmm. right. we cater to a niche market. And, like, I kind of, I compare the hip-hop to, like, I don't know if you follow politics, but, like, mm-hmm. The Tea Party. Like, mm-hmm. the hood is the Tea Party in hip-hop. Right. Like, like the Republicans, they got to go so crazy mm-hmm. to cater to mm-hmm. the Tea Party so they can get the nomination for the general election. There you go. Mm-hmm. And they're going to lose because that ain't what the general populace wants. Absolutely. So, like, for, for a hip-hop, and I watch this with dope MCs. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to do a club or I got to have a strip club song. I got to mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. And they go so far to this to this level so that they can be accepted by the hood. Right. So they can get enough money and enough buzz to be accepted by white people because you got to be popular with your own right. before you can go there. Of course. And then it's like, but you're Not too too much. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and it's like the, the wackiest catch-22 in life because like you said, you can't win a battle when you're, when you're Pretending ain't the word I want to use, but when you're catering mm-hmm. to an audience simply because you feel like that's how you have to get on, or that's the buzz that you need to get going again, you're pigeonholing yourself. Mm-hmm. But when you ask an artist, you know their, their default answer is, "Well, what you want me to do?" Like, you know, I, I've, and I've asked this artist, yeah. and the artists are like, "But Nick, like, shit, Nick, you manage the strip club DJ. You know that these labels <laughs> call you to see what's hot in the strip club." So if I don't have a song in the strip club, you're not going to tell them that I'm hot. I say, you know what? Actually, I will. But you're right to a certain degree. If they only care what's popping in the club, no matter what Nick Love says about, well, you know what? He don't have a song in the club, but Hmm. such and such is really, really dope. You need to keep your eye on him. There's almost no way to really quantify what you're Hmm. doing. That's the problem. The mixtape game at least gives you a a quantifiable number, so to speak, Hmm. right? You know, the number used to be, oh, I sold XYZ out the trunk. That used yeah. to be the Master P line. That used to be everybody's yeah. line. Yeah. I sold 50,000 units out the trunk. Now, 
there was no hood BDS, so we yeah. don't know. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? Show me what? the purchase orders. Exactly. Show me the receipts. On, yeah, exactly. Like the Houston line. I want to see the receipts. You know what I'm saying? But there are no receipts from what you saw at the Trump. The, the, the thing now becomes radio spins and live mixtape uh, that piff numbers and downloads, views, YouTube views, Instagram followers. That's the game that we're playing now. We're not playing a a true value game. We're purely looking at numbers and saying, this is how dope you are. Mm-hmm. You're as dope as these 30,000 Instagram followers say you are. Which also means that the guy who has 50 yeah. is 20,000 people hotter than you. Okay, so I'm going to speak to that. Like, I'd be all over the place. So, right. like, fiat currency. Like, the mm-hmm. dollar is no longer backed by gold. Right. It's just pure conjecture. It's a number printed right. on paper. It's worth mm-hmm. paper. It's worth paper. So... It's the same thing where we moved away from sales because those sales was backed by money. It was backed by an right. actual, actual investment from right. people. Somebody a paid money costs like, okay, nothing. Cool. Right. A follow costs nothing. I can simulate that with bots. I'm a nerd. Like I know how to do all that. So, right, right, right. so we get to the point where a person can be hot just off of pure speculation and conjecture. Like you, like there are people, and and we've watched this happen. Where they get on in the industry because of this new number that they're looking. They're looking at YouTube now. Right. They're looking at Twitter now. They're looking at and someone slips through the door with it and it bombs because it wasn't real. Right. So but that's like, the, but and, and that's the industry's fault. Yeah. That's the that's the gatekeepers who are or the people who are supposed to be gatekeepers. That's their fault because I remember I remember when I remember the Fifty Cent era with the mm-hmm. mixtapes. Fifty Cent got hot off mixtapes, so everybody said, "Hey, I need to go yeah. do a mixtape." <laughs> Soldier Boy comes along, does the videos. The, you, the, you know, the, yeah, the, yeah. the dance and the video. So everybody says, oh, I got to get on YouTube. Yeah. And then it just kind of escalated from there. So I mean, we missed a MySpace artist in this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? But whatever the trend was, yeah, yeah. Whatever the one guy got through, and it may have even worked. And I'm, yeah. trying to, I'm trying to remember who the MySpace guy was. But like I said, there was a YouTube guy. Uh, that's tequila. Been, tequila. Wow. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That was the beginning of the video whole yeah. Instagram chick. Book me. Yeah, that was the beginning of that, that era. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, it was weird because I thought one got through and they might have worked. The prototype yeah. usually works. Yeah. It's everybody else who follows it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's who doesn't seem to cash, you know, cash out the way it's supposed to be. But I still say, yo, but what happened to the quality control of it. Like, I get having a leg up on the competition by saying, you know what, this guy got 100,000 followers. We should keep an eye on him. Yeah. But where are the people who, like in the Barry Gordy days, I don't know if you ever seen, like, the, I think it's the either the Motown movie or the Temptations or something, mm-hmm. but they would sit in the room and they would bring, like, people off the street. Yeah. And they would say, hey, if you had a dollar, would you buy this song or would you buy a cheeseburger? Mm-hmm. And if the people said cheeseburger, they know, like, that wasn't the one. But yeah. people say, yo, I'd buy that song. That's what they ran with. There still has to be a certain level of having an ear and being able to, to disseminate between what's real, what's fake. Like, I don't even want to say no names, but there's an artist right now from Atlanta that has managed to go on and get some excellent, amazing opportunities that personally I don't really care about, but that's just me. Yeah. Fuck my opinion. Take me out of it. But there's been so much hype surrounding him. And then when you ask people, like, yo, why you, you fuck with it? Yeah, yeah, I fuck with it. Why you fuck with it? Shit, man, that's that shit the wave. Yeah. Okay, but why you fuck with it? Yeah. Man, cause you know shit, everybody else on that shit. And I'm like, so you really like something yeah. that you really don't so what you're telling me is you don't like it, but you like it because everybody else like it. You don't want to be the guy that looked lame because you don't like the thing that everybody think is cool right now. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, yo, but you would never do that with nothing else. 
in your nothing in your life would you ever if there was if this candy sitting mm-hmm. on the table if I said I don't I don't like Snickers right mm-hmm. but you like Snickers and everybody walked in here and they was like man Snickers are the shit yeah <laughs> I wouldn't just eat start eating Snickers because all y'all said I'm like I don't well, like that's that you. Shit. Right, because we didn't like, and that's why we. I just got into a, a conversation about with Bob and mm-hmm. the Earth being flat. Oh God, <laughs> they give my boy hell about that. Yeah, hey, but it's like, it's like, but it's so funny because people refuting it with like secondhand knowledge. Okay. Like I'm not saying that the Earth is flat, right? But I'm saying you can't sit up and argue someone on something that you. I'm pretty sure he's logged more frequent flyer miles than you. probably. So <laughs> I, I was so to the same. You, yeah. You've you've never left the state. But you're going to tell somebody about the world, the world. <laughs> who's yeah. traveling. Yeah. And so it's, but it's because, like, we we, we kind of condition, like, this emperor's new clothes. Like, the whole P thing, like, the mm-hmm. the out the trunk. Like, you, they hear this sexy story. Like, right. And some, stories sell. Yeah. That's one of, the first, one of the first things I learned in marketing was that stories sell. Yeah. A lot of times, it's not the book. It's the cover you know mm-hmm. that that moves it. Mm-hmm. It's the story. It's the it's the story behind the story. It's like why did you write the book? Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying we love the story of the guy that came from nothing, yeah, and built himself up to be the millionaire, right? We hate the story of yeah, just a regular guy who just kind of got, got a job millions. and got the promotions and got a promotion and moved up the world and here he is now. You know, yeah. now he got a million dollar job. It's like he didn't. People are like, yeah, but where's the sizzle? You know, what yeah. I'm saying where's the he, he almost lost his legs and then yeah. you know, he got shot 50 times yeah. and all this shit. Like, we love that story. Yeah. So one of the first things that they teach you in marketing is you got to tell the story, man. You got to, you you have to be interesting. Mm-hmm. The the product has to be interesting more so than it has to even be good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm sure that if we sat here, we could come up with several products. And I'm talking about down to bottled water yeah. of why we choose one water over another water. Is it because of the, the color of the packaging around it? Is it because of the shape of the bottle? Is it because it's taller? Whatever. Like, why do people drink Voss and not Dasani? Yeah. Because the because the bottle of Voss is glass and it's a little taller and it's round and it doesn't come with a, you know, like, the lid's a little fancier. Like, why? 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 Because you like how it looks. Yeah. Know, it ain't the water. Trust me. Yeah. When people tell me shit Same like that, they're time. like, oh, man, that water way much, way better than that other water. Like, my nigga... Come it's on, water. <laughs> it's water. Like, yeah, there might be some subtle differences, but yeah. you ain't finna tell me that that's your. It ain't eight dollars worth of difference. Hell no. <laughs> but I said that about liquor a lot of times. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I love the girl who tells me I only drink Patron. I only drink. I said, listen, if I put some tequila yeah. in a Patron bottle, you'd have no idea what it was. Oh, I drink Patron all the time. I can tell you it's. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't tell me what Ciroc tastes like. You can't tell me what Hennessy tastes like. No, you can't. Especially when it's mixed with something else. Like, you, have no, you, know, you have no clue. And the people that say they can't, maybe there are a few people who have just yeah. that kind of discernment in their taste. Sommelier. Like, yeah. Like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. a gin sommelier. Yeah, come on, man. I would say 99% of people have yeah. no idea. What you love is the name. You love the brand. You love your experience that you had with it when you were holding the bottle and you seen it in the store. When, mm. You know, you love the... The aesthetics of what it is, but you don't love Hennessy. You love the Hennessy brand. Yeah. You don't love Ciroc. You love Diddy and everything that comes with the whole Diddy experience. You're a Ciroc boy now. You, like, yeah. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, you, you just got to tell that story, and that story works for everything. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's um, something as big as a, a television network like ESPN, or if it's something as simple as water or Snickers or a clothing line. If you got a story, we love it, you know? Damon John, the guy from FUBU, has made a living off telling the story 
of how FUBU started. Yeah. And he's parlayed that story of starting with nothing, getting the shirts in the videos, knitting hats, taking the shirts back, and being these poor kids from New York, yeah. and turned it into being a shark. Yeah. On Shark Tank. Now, don't get me wrong, man's a smart man. Yeah. And he's made some great business decisions. But it's the story. Because there are other people who have clothing lines yeah. who did things similar, but they weren't able to tell their story. Like, I couldn't tell you the Carl Canine story. I, have I couldn't tell you the cross-color story. I have, I, thank like, you. <laughs> That's my point. Yeah. That's my point. That's why Damon John is still here and functioning and relevant, yeah. and Carl Canine isn't. Yeah. And, I guess I, and I could be wrong. I don't know. I, I, don't, I know Carl Canine, the clothing line ain't popping. Yeah. But I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. But that's why the creators of cross-color, Carl Canine, damaged, used, all the brands that you know, all those other brands, you don't know where they are. You don't care because you're not in, in, in you know, in, interested in the story exactly. of what they are. All right, so uh, I guess relating that to you, because mm-hmm. uh, now you 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 transitioning. Like I saw your post on Facebook. I got the coolest the story in the world, right? Yeah, and but so, again, it was a story. Yeah, yeah, it, was yeah. it was a story. I'm I was like, look at him marketing to me right now. Like, there you go. There and you I go. put him in the magazine. There you go. So you got a dollar, right? Are you gonna continue doing this music? Or you gonna talk about these cheeseburgers? I'm talking about these cheeseburgers all day. Let me tell you. Let me tell you the cool thing about what I'm, where I'm going and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mainly because I see the writing on the wall. If anybody's ever read the book, you know uh, who moved my, my cheese, cheese. Yeah. and you see what's going on, and you're starting to see the devaluing of the music, or at least the selling of the music, right? Mm-hmm. One thing that you gotta realize is that our culture is still very important. Our yeah. culture is very cool. Our culture is innovative. Our culture pushes everything. Yeah. I, there's a commercial that comes on ESPN every day that I hate. It's this NARF commercial. This mm-hmm. guy, this Indian guy, he's rapping about like saving the Indians or the Indian like foundation fund or some shit, right? And he comes on and it's this terrible rap and they play it every day during first take. And I mm-hmm. hate it with a passion. Every time it comes on, I just cringe. <laughs> but it's like rap and our culture and what we do and how we dress moves the world. Yeah. But... What you don't see a lot of times is the representation of who we are and what we're about. I mean, yeah. I mean across the spectrums. Yeah. When I started going around and sitting with people who were not like me, what I realized is some things aren't racism. Yeah. Some things are ignorance. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of times it's not that they don't like you because you're black. They're judging because they're kind of in a mode of like, I don't know, you know what you're about. I know you. I know you guys like music. Mm-hmm. I know you guys like to dance. I know you guys like to sing and rap. I know you guys are into clothes, but mm-hmm. that's about it. But I mean, just think about everything that you do in the course of a day. Yeah. From, you know, I mean, grocery shopping to, you know, buy, you know, shopping for cars, going to Best Buy, grabbing yourself a VCR, TV, whatever the case may be. But think about your hobbies: yeah. fishing, hunting, cooking, um, whatever it may yeah. be. A lot of times. Our culture is not showcased doing those things. Yeah. So I watch HGTV. Mm-hmm. They do home renovations and all kind of that stuff, right? But no one on HGTV looks like me. Mm-hmm. No one. And I don't think it's racist. I think yeah. that that's what they know. How many black construction companies slash renovation companies are there? The answer is probably several. Mm-hmm. Probably a whole lot. Yeah. But what we've chosen as a culture to project to people is hard gangster street shit. Which is whatever. We know what that is, but we do more than that. We're more than the streets. Mm-hmm. We're more than baggy pants. We're yeah. more than backwards hat. We're more than big jewelry. We're more than Jordans. We're more than big cars and flashy rims, right? So I got cousins, uncles, aunts, grandparents, all that that have hunted, that have fished, 
that have been cooks at hotels and all kind of stuff. It's like, but who's showing that? Mm-hmm. They build things, they build decks, they fix roofs and the whole nine. But I just feel like we need to be represented on all fronts. Yeah. And not from a, a sense of we deserve to be in some black power shit, yeah. but on some like, hey, like we do that too. The so, subtle change of the culture. Right. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like, so why can't, why, why shouldn't we have something that represents who we are? And that's kind of how I got into the bike life, right? I have a passion for food. One of the things that I always did was eat out. Mm-hmm. I never was the Louis Gucci guy. I never was the big jewelry chains, diamond watch guy. I was never the, oh, I like to fix cars and be up under the hood and, you know, do all of that. I was always, I ate my money. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was always <laughs> the one that was like, I'm willing to take $100 and pay for a steak yeah. or pay for a meal or go out on a date and do something. I was never, you know, that was just what I did. Yeah. So... In the course of doing that, I found myself surrounded by people who didn't look like me. Mm-hmm. So I found myself in restaurants, at food festivals, at beer tastings, at wine tastings, and looking around, and I'm like, damn, it's just me and my girl. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is white. Yeah. Or everybody else is foreign, you know, a foreign way, but there's no one not that looks black. like not everybody, else not everybody else is not black. <laughs> so it ain't no mind you. And some of this and most of the situations actually, I was the one in jeans and a t shirt. Yeah. And a jacket. You know, I looked nice, but I wasn't dressed up. I didn't have a polo on. I wasn't in a button down shirt and some khakis. I was in my Nick Love attire. Yeah. But what I noticed about is people would come up to me and we have start having conversations and it happened more often than not, which I guess, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, where people would say, yo, I, I didn't expect you to be like that. Yeah. I'm like, what you mean? And inevitably, what they meant was, you're black, white tee, you know, you know, fitted jeans, some J's, hat on backwards, necklace on. You have on a thug's uniform. Yes. <laughs> I expected you to be on some, on some, on some rap shit. Yeah. Which I was, because I come yeah. from the music business, yeah. ironically. <laughs> But it's like, no, I came because I want to learn about wine. I want to yeah. learn about sushi rolling. I want to learn about pizza making. I want to learn the shit you came here for. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But when they don't see us doing those things, it's like, you know, I, I guess I just assume you guys are not interested in that type of stuff. Yeah. So, um, well, you know, that's, that's a great story. thing. And I guess to convert these things is this um, the one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, aspect of the music industry, like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm right now, I'm writing the cover story for the next issue, okay. and it's called Dope Music, hmm. and I'm talking about the the impact of drugs, the drug culture, the, absolutely, the drug culture in the music mm-hmm. industry. But it's so many different angles that we're going at it, where it's going to be more like a list of the different things, and one of the things um, is is just like you, just like you're saying where they're not used to like if you want to make it in the music industry you got to have a club record because mm-hmm. radio's too expensive absolutely if you're an independent artist mm-hmm. so you got to make records that work for the club and if you want to make records that work for the club it got to appease the people who are in the and club. who are in the club right and the people with the disposable money are dope boys and strippers typically yep so i'm making records for dope boys and strippers mm-hmm. and because they say it's hot then the rest of us Oh, that's the way. That's the way. <laughs> Absolutely. And so that's all that we project is we're dope boys and strippers. No mm-hmm. matter if you work at Coke. <laughs> right, right. UPS you know, Coke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no matter. Like, that's the culture. And that's so, the culture. That's really the culture that you're trying to appease. Yeah. Um, I think we're getting better, though. Because, you know, as I see some of the talent that's coming out, I just, I, I've been paying attention to, like, Nick Grant. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's doing, I love Nick Grant. Like, what like, yeah. he's doing. This is kid named Brandon Rossi, who I yeah, really, yeah. really love. Like, I love. <laughs> I think Brandon's fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, Scotty, ATL, yeah, you Scotty. Know, it's, 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 it's artists around who are breaking the mold, mm-hmm. but they have to be so patient. Yeah. Doing it that route because, like you said, they don't have the dope boy anthem. They don't have that street anthem. The I get high, I get fucked up. I'm fucking bitches. I'm popping bottles. Um, you know they don't have those type of records. So one it's taking the them festivals. a little longer. What's that? I think one thing is the festivals. Yes, are giving an outlet to those artists that the clubs generally because you oh, have look, people yeah. who are here for the music and not here for the show. Yes. So, like, I definitely, I think that's one of the things. I think it helps. I mean, I think it definitely helps. And and that, th- those artists like that, they need, what they what they, what they they don't have is outlets. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing that I see with a lot of artists who are going against the grain or mm-hmm. who don't kind of fit the, the mold, right? They don't have an outlet. If you are a street rapper mm-hmm. in Atlanta, and we're just going to use Atlanta, just, just this city. There are open mic showcases, there are mixtape DJs, there are strip clubs, there are so many ways for you to get the world to be privy to what you do. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you're a singer, if you're an R&B singer in Atlanta, you can go to those open mic showcases, but you're going to stick out like a sore thumb because you're nothing like, you're the square yeah. peg in the round hole. So you're going to be out of place, mm-hmm. slightly uncomfortable because I've seen so many singers walk up and they're like... I got to go behind 30 rappers. Yeah. Then when I sing, 30 more coming after me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to get lost in the shuffle, which could be a good thing because you'll stand yeah. out. But at the same time, you got a room full of rap fans who now you're singing for. Um, the mixtapes are definitely more geared toward rappers. Except for next month. You know everybody do they. Right. Everybody does they, 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 they are. Yeah, yeah. But that's one time yeah. a month. It's kind of like, well, what do you do? You know what I'm saying? Like if you're a singer, if you're a... Quote unquote blog rapper, mm-hmm. grassroots underground, whatever you want to call them. If you're that guy, mm-hmm. um, and I'll even use like Saha the Prince. Saha the Prince yeah. is like incredible. Lyrically, he's amazing, right? And he does have his share of fans, but when I go to the club, I don't hear a lot of Saha the Prince. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's not for lack of talent, it's for he doesn't have that record. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's sad, but we have to open up. Our, you know, everybody, I think across the board, we all got to just be open more so to change and difference, you know? Speaking on that, mm-hmm. and I think this, what do you think about um, different tax for monetization? Because the, the, the guy who produces the club records, mm-hmm. he's going to get shows in the clubs mm-hmm. versus the guy who's the internet rapper, mm-hmm. like who may have a more organic fan base, but they also do much better with merch. And Absolutely. Doing, like a lot of them with artists not looking for different ways to monetize based on their audience. They just look at what the next guy is doing. And Which is the biggest mistake compare. in the world. I think if you're going to be in the music business, you have to think of everything from the business backwards. That was something I didn't know mm-hmm. early on. Um, that, you know, we're taught a lot of times to intern, do a lot of shit for free, like say, even in the mixer game, give away the music for free so that one day down the line, sometime in the future, <laughs> you'll get paid, right? From a show or from CD sales or whatever, or like your record deal or whatnot. But if you're going to be in the business, you got to do business. Mm-hmm. I think any other business in the world, I don't care if you're a plumber, you're Microsoft, if you're a Snickers candy factory, or Dasani Water, whatever it is, they all think about the profits and, you know, um, profit margins, revenue, sales, expenses. They think about all these things when they go into the business. Yeah. Rappers, for the most part, Musicians in general, they don't think about it. It's about the art. It's about mm-hmm. the creativity of it. 
but you got to be mindful of the business. Mm-hmm. Like now, even as I'm approaching the bite life, I'm already thinking from the business back. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. I know what it takes to make money in the the web space, the magazine space, the app space, all of those things. So, all right, cool. If I start there and say, all right, cool. If I, How do I work from there backwards? Mm-hmm. What's going to get me here? And it's not giving away a bunch of shit for free. It's minimalizing my expenses mm-hmm. and maximizing the money that's coming in. You know, you have to know that. Artists don't have that mentality, and I think that they they have to start having that. You got to go in thinking, how can I sell the most merch? How can I sell the most music? How can I get the most iTunes? If, if it's iTunes that you're going after or record sales, how can I sell the most iTunes downloads? Is that putting my song on there and then spending a bunch of money advertising that I have a CD there? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, going on social media and saying, hey, buy mm-hmm. my CD, buy my CD, buy, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what is that? If, you're, if your goal is to sell merch, it's like, all right, cool, I need to tote this merch everywhere. Yeah. At every open mic, at every show, at everything. I need to be on my Instagram, constantly pumping, buy my <laughs> shirt, buy my shirt. Yeah. And you may come off as a salesman, but shit. That's what you're supposed to do. Exactly. Sales, <laughs> That's your goal is to sell. And yeah. I think sometimes <clears throat> the music business and the hip hop in general, we've been kind of made to feel bad about selling. I mean, that's artists just in general, the creatives. Mm-hmm. Like they is, uh, they uh, they try to demon uh, demonize you mm-hmm. if if you focus on like me. Like I do the magazine, mm-hmm. and like since I started, like yo, this is how much this costs. Right. This is how much that costs because mm-hmm. I'm doing it to stay in business, Absolutely. not to make friends. Not to make friends. No. Like I still have a mission that I want to accomplish. That's why I do these things. There's a lot of the stuff that I do, but it's like. When I see, and it's so, like, we we on the same way. Because yeah. like, you you said something that, because I, I do consulting work, mm-hmm. and I break down. I was like, in no other business would you accept this business plan. If I said, I, hey, I'm a dope chef. Give me $100,000 so I can open this restaurant. I'm going to make the dopest food. I'm going to invite everybody. I'm going to feed them for free. And we're going to do this over and over again. And sooner or later, Red Lobster going to buy us out. There you go. And we own. There you go. <laughs> but you cool with that in music. <laughs> but we're only cool with that in music. Like, that's what bothers me. That's what bothers me. Like I said, but we've been made to feel bad over the years about making money. And it's not just the music. Think about the clothing line. Yeah. How many clothing line, upstart clothing lines have you seen around mm-hmm. the city giving away t-shirts? Yeah. Giving away hats. Giving away whatever the case You don't be. know if people like it. But I, it's, that's <laughs> one thing for sure. You don't even know if people like it. But bigger than that. You've almost been made to feel bad if you try to tell tell somebody yeah. hey, this shirt five bucks, yeah. this shirt ten bucks, because people are almost programmed like, well, I gotta buy it. Yeah, it's so free. and so gave me the t shirt for free. <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah, but it didn't. It wasn't free to make it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, even if I own the t shirt factory and the printing thing, like I still have to take time to do it. So it's yeah. worth something, right? But we got to get out of that mentality of like we're supposed to get things for free, and that's pervasive throughout the culture. What? One thing I say, I ran into that when we started selling the magazines. Mm-hmm. But then, like we started selling the magazines. Right. Like everyone didn't take it, but the people who bought it, mm-hmm. those are the people who used it. Mm-hmm. So it was less of them left around and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But it had a value in it. Like so, even when I work with clients on the artist consultant, like hey, sell sell a CD. Like, I don't care. Like you out. Right, like you got them. Get a dollar for it, like something, at least anything. Right, let, let them buy into you. Right, <laughs> what is it? make it be worth something. Yeah, but I, it's that's, that's it's tough. It is a yeah. tough sell 
when you're selling something that everybody else is giving away for free. But the story that goes right. back to the story, like when I when we train artists, like on selling, like yo, have a conversation with mm-hmm. them. Like this is the thing I always think about the homeless about. guys that you've given money to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, they all, the ones that you gave money to was like, yo, listen, man. <laughs> My car broke down. My family, my baby's in the car right it's now. Like a, it's like a blockbuster. Absolutely. Like, listen, man, the car flipped over. My baby's still there. I'm just trying to get some money so I can go get a coat truck. To, like, they tell you something. You're like, man, shit, let me give you this dollar. Dog. Like, yeah, like, you deserve this dollar. Even if that's complete bullshit, you deserve the dollar for telling me the you story. You sold that shit. But when a guy walk up to you, you be like, hey, man, give me, give me get some money. Like, yeah. like, damn, man. like No effort. Lie to me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, tell me something. And I think the artists have to get back into being okay with being salespeople and then being willing to be salespeople. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I, that's part of the thing where um, we look at these, like, with the culture, like, being fake or being this. It's like with, um, we talk about black culture, just keeping it real. Right. And it's like, all right, if you go into a soul food restaurant, someone having a bad day, you're going to know. What do you have? Like, what do you, what, what? Like, right. and the attitude, it's like, okay. And then you go to Chili's, mm-hmm. and someone could have, they dog just died. Hey, welcome to Chili's. And right, right, right. <laughs> these are our specials. Like, that's what, like, the fans, like, don't care if you're having a bad day. Mm-hmm. I want what you're selling. Like, I want this image. I want that, like, just like when, like, artists talk about how real they are. Like, and I, and I just go through this with, like, as far as on the performance side. Right. Anytime you're performing, you're an actor. You, you may not be angry right now, but you got to project anger for this record. Right. You got to project that you feel in this way for this record. So right. are you not, in fact, acting? Absolutely. And, and so is this like sales is like just a part of that. Like where was um, one of the things I talked to clients about, like, is, you know, you at the gas station and someone walk up to you with the CD and this little spill. And like I personally, I've never bought an album because I was like, "Yo, you look like you might be the dopest rapper I've ever seen." Right. right. I always like whoever that is. They're they're on their way. They're getting gas. They're on their way to a job that they hate. They used to want a model. They wanted to be an astronaut. They wanted to play ball. They wanted to do something. Right. And they say, "Damn, you're going for your dream," and I respect that. And the thing that they always say, and I know because I sold CDs when I was an artist, hmm. it was like, "I'm going ahead and support you." Right. It's about them being able to support you and playing a part in the story when Absolutely. you tell the story. Right. As opposed to, like, just buy it because I'm hot. No. No story. No. People want to buy the story and feel like they're contributing to the story. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and that's what it's about, man. And I, I think that we have to be willing to be creative and brave and courageous enough to tell the story in a way that people, that compels people. And then be afraid, you know, and not be afraid to reap the benefits of it. I think, you know, I, I, I cringe every time I hear people say, well, what has he done for the community? And what mm-hmm. has he done? And I'm like, yo, but like, why do they don't do that? They don't do that to them. They don't, <laughs> when they make money, nobody's like, what has Will, Fer- Will Ferrell ever done for the community? Like, yes. I mean, I get that the communities are different and maybe they, he don't need to do nothing for the community. But at the same time, it's like, it's like Jay-Z's money is supposed to be our money. Yeah. Diddy's money supposed to be our money. It's like, why he can't be rich? Because they rich. I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. This is something I've been dealing with and I wanted to write on, but as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. as someone who's trying to attain a certain level of success, mm-hmm. you have a dual mind as a black person because you mm-hmm. have to worry about these issues and that's mental capacity that you're taking away from your own goals worrying the about the larger... like. 
when the whole thing with um, Trayvon Martin went down, mm-hmm. how many hours did we, we engage in conversations and talking back and forth and watching the news mm-hmm. and that while our counterpart was just working, working, <laughs> it's working. So it's like already at a disadvantage to have Always. to deal with that. No, and then when you get it, now I got it. <laughs> Always. Because keep in mind, like, and this is the funny thing. And I, and I had this conversation not too long before I arrived here. Not only are we dealing with the societal stuff, like you said, the Trayvon Martins and the Tamir Rice's and all this stuff that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis right now. Mm. We got to deal with Cam Newton and yeah. he dabbing and white people mad because he dabbing and he dancing and he quarterback, he's too this, he too that. We still got the day-to-day stresses of our personal lives, yeah. right? So if you got kids, uh, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever the case may be, you're still dealing with those things too, which is everybody else's, again, we're all yeah. kind of on an even plan for them, but then you heap on the, extra. the other stuff. <laughs> so it's like, well, when do you... Get a chance to be creative. When do you have a chance to be productive? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're constantly in a struggle to prove something or defend something or justify something. Like, I even changed the name of my company. My company now is called 157. My company used to be called Proving Grounds. Mm-hmm. I got the company name originally from my partner who was um, he was in the military. Mm-hmm. And he had to go up to Ohio, I believe, and it was to, it was the Aberdeen Proving Grounds. It was kind of like this place for basic training. Yeah. But it was like the toughest soldiers kind of came through this place, but it was called APG, the, the Aberdeen Proving Grounds. And I loved that name. And I was like, yeah, that's dope. That's what I want to be. I kind of want to be that, that, you know, that, that thing. But I found years into having that business and having that name, I'm like, damn, I feel like every year I'm proving myself yeah. to everybody. So now I have, now my company is called 157, which mm-hmm. means one city, 50 states, seven continents. I'm trying to operate globally, locally, nationally, the whole nine. But... It was one of those things where I remember when I had the old name, and I'm like, but I did Jeezy, mm-hmm. and I did Coalition, and I've helped this artist, and I've consulted with this, and these people, I have the plaques and the accolades and the recognition to prove it. Mm-hmm. So why, when I start something new, do I find myself trying to prove all over again that I'm smart enough, good enough, adept enough to get something going? I'm like, uh, I'm better than that. And y'all know I'm better than that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I was like, I'm going to change this name and hopefully, you know, uh, you know, get some different results. Mm-hmm. Because while I've had great results over the years and I have the success and I even have, you know, the, fi- the finances to show that I've had the success, it's still trying. And yeah. it's like tedious to have to show somebody over and over again. Like I remember when Jeezy had a mixtape um, right before one of these most recent, I might have been right before the recession. And, and I wasn't even working with him at the time, but I remember he had this statement like, I gave y'all trap or die. How could y'all doubt me? Like, yeah. I'm not going to sell records. Like, I did... Thug Motivation 101, like, that album is a classic. Like, why are you doubting that I can still make good music? Mm-hmm. But that's the that's our culture. We're constantly in a, I'm going to sit back and see what he do yeah. type of thing as opposed to, you know what, I'm going to support because that man and, you know, I, 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 I just think at a, at a, at a certain point you got to say, you know what, I've seen, seen the track record. So, like, hell, even with Making a Magazine, right? Mm-hmm. I look at it and I say, yo, you've been in business for a while. You're doing something right. Or you're just incredibly crazy. But both. This ain't issue number one, nor is this issue number ten. This is you gotta be on at least five years of this. Nine. That's what I'm saying. Like it's been a while since I've known you for a while. And I'm like, making the magazine been around for a minute, so clearly you're doing something right. At least been able to function and stay in business, right? Oh yeah. So my thing is like, why not support something that you, you know, someone that you see is constantly working at their craft and getting better and growing? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand that pathology, um, and so I try to avoid it, and I try to, you know, bleed through actions more so than words. Like I can preach all day, 
and tell you what you ought to do and what you should do and how you ought to feel and all that. But it's like, let me just show you what I do. Let me show you how I support my fellow entrepreneurs and support my friends and these other artists that I've, that I've you know, built relationships over the years. Like, I just wish more people would do that. Yeah. You know? And, and, and that goes to something we were speaking about earlier before we had the conversation, just about transparency. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, the facade... Like it's a kind oh, of an American thing, like when you go into other cultures or like and, and really um gaining more friends, international friends, people mm-hmm. from you know, Mexico and Russia and mm-hmm. European uh countries like that they brought stuff to my attention, just like how we are. Like like we'll walk by each other, hey what's up, what's up? Like we both just asked the questions that we didn't answer. Right. It's just just that's what it is. We're not really interested in each other. It's about me and and we we like how you say like on social media. It's about everything that I'm doing right. and and putting on a, a front for everyone. And, right. And I was just talking to my wife about this. Like, uh, for me, with doing the magazine, mm-hmm. I've had like we charge for right. ads and promo services and all that. Right. Uh, but I've had people. That and this was a while ago. Who had gotten a full page ad from me for like two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, like mm-hmm. because we had a conversation. They told me, and it was like it may have been like, okay, well, I'm gonna either have to, I gotta cut this story, and I need to fill this page, mm-hmm. and I'll come to them because I'll ask a person this, and I think this goes back to the dope boy culture mm-hmm. is like, what's your budget? And when you ask what's your budget to us, it's like, yeah. you're trying to see how much money I got. Like, right. Versus, right. I'm just trying to see how much I can do for your, with the right, money right, you right, have. Right. How, what, what are you like, willing to do for this? Right. Yeah. So then, so it's like. And that, but you know what? That's a scary question because I've been on the other end of it mm-hmm. years ago. And I understand the, I understand some of the pressure that comes with that question. Because I'm yeah. going to tell you why. Because if you have it, you're mm-hmm. worried about, you just trying to see how much I'm willing to give you. Because mm-hmm. if I tell you I got a thousand to spend, you're gonna to try to figure out how to get the thousand out of me. Mm-hmm. Versus telling me, well, look, I got this thing for seven hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have it, now you have to admit I don't have it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so that's an uncomfortable space to be in. You know what I'm saying? But what I found over the years is there's a way to have that conversation where you don't lose the respect of the person that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times. One, the person kind of knows. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you ask what my budget is, you kind of know coming in. Let's not shock you and say, look, I got a million dollars. You're like, what? Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? You kind of know, like, all right. You, well, you know with this, like, we. Right. Bottle popping it. Uh, of course. And the five. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I get it. Yeah. But, man, it's it's that, that what's your budget question is a tough question, but it's something that I ask every day. Yeah. But keep in mind with this, too. Like, now I'm the person who is creating this new thing, right? Mm-hmm. This is part of being transparent. Yeah. Now, mind you, and you read the story on Facebook, so this was people who haven't heard it. Now, mind you, at the top of the year, I walked away from everything that had really been familiar to me. So I'm in completely um, unfamiliar territory. I don't, and, and it was funny because I actually had a conversation with my ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. earlier today, right? And so I said, yo, like, it's weird because... I'm doing this brand new thing. Something I've done before, but now I'm taking it on full time and doing it. And this is already tough enough. But I also don't have the DJs who I've always have always just kind of been there as the constant thing that was right there. I don't have Jeezy who has always been right there. A lot of the things that I would turn to and say, oh shit, if I'm in a crunch, mm-hmm. money-wise, 
I always got that. Yeah. And these things have been constant money makers over the years where I've always been okay. But now it's like none of that stuff is there, including my relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't even have that person that's like, okay, I'm having a bad day. Yeah. So you find yourself, I, I would say you, I find myself some days being like, damn, what did I do? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I'm trying to be creative, but I'm also like, shit, I'm kind of bored in this house by myself. Yeah. I kind of miss being around the DJs. Damn, the Jeezy tour was kind of fun. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But I know that I'm doing this for a reason and I'm committed to that reason. So now I'm just seeing myself through it. But like, it's weird. Like, I, I try to tell people that you're like, this ain't big bad Nick just walking around like, I'm going to get this done and yeah. it's going to work and I'm not worried about anything. This is me being like, yo, like I'm kind of vulnerable about it and I'm nervous. And I'm yeah. saying like, I think I have a really great idea and I think I can really make some money with it and I think I can build it into a real empire. But in these beginning stages, when I have no concrete uh, footing where I can say, I know for a fact this is going to happen, it's like, that's a tough space to be in. And I think I don't think enough artists, I don't think enough entrepreneurs, I don't think enough execs, I don't think enough people tell you the that story. side of it. I hate to hear people say... Follow your passion. I mean, like people say, man, I'm just stuck in this dead end job, man. It's not working for me. People say, quit. Yeah. Start your own business. It's like, it ain't, it ain't that easy. And that is the most, that's the craziest advice you could yeah. ever give somebody. Especially somebody who knows the dangers and the, the downside of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Not having that constant check. Not having that that safety net of like, this is definitely going to happen month to month. Like I said, at least in your early startup phases. Yeah. So when I hear people say, oh man, just quit your job. Follow your passion and the money will come. No, it won't. That's yeah. not how that works. It don't just come. That's that's the that's the that's a pretty the way of saying something. notes of the cliff notes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but to tell people that to follow yeah. your passion and the money will come is completely misleading. Yeah. What it is is follow your passion, do the work, be prepared to endure some sacrifice. awkward, funny, you know, hard times and sacrifice. And if you play your cards right. Some things falling, you know, falling your lap. The stars line up, and some a lot of things go right. You can really pull this off and become something. Mm-hmm. But it definitely starts with your passion. Yeah. But to just say, oh, just do what you love, and money will show up. That's not true. Because if you love b- bird watching, I don't know how much money there is in the business of bird watching. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you love collecting, uh, you know, memorabilia from Coca Cola, I don't know how much money is in that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like so. You got to be mindful of that, man. And I think that that shit is like, it's scary to, to tell people that. Yeah. And our culture is all, especially the, the younger kids. But I think it started with my generation. Yeah. I think it started because our parents were the work a job 20, 25 years. I think it started years. the ones before us. You think so? Like just the year, like the, because the, the, you like just two years older than me. Okay. So it's like, it's, it's the, like my older cousins, mm-hmm. like. And I, I say that's when everything fell apart. Like the dream crack. No, <laughs> crack ruined everything. everything. I agree. Because it's like, it not only like you, like a lot of the fathers were because they um, own crack. People right. strung out. Like I know like a lot of family, like like mm-hmm. it, it destroyed the family, mm-hmm. but then it destroyed the the relationships between us men and women. Right. Like in, when you was in high school and the chick that you wanted was mm-hmm. messing with the dope boy. Right, right. <laughs> and you... Like, then you adopt this attitude toward women because they just want money. Right. And then you just go get money and right. you don't have the respect for it. Like, I never understand, like, men be like, yo, like, 
all these hoes want is money, like da da. And then, but you put it out there and project that I got, I got money, money to give them. Like right. those are the hoes you gonna get. Like absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so it's like the absolutely. chicken and the egg thing where we oh, we man. we pre- we present this facade, this facade of and, everything, and is that's what we we get. That's why I always ask. Like artists, what your budget is? Because I know it's a facade. Like I know you talking about all this stuff and like I'm just like, all right, well, what you what you got? Like I'm fine. Like right. I, I've had if an artist told me like, yo, I got a hundred dollars. I'm like, bro, you you're not about to get in the magazine with a hundred dollars. Right, right. But here, get some CDs pressed this up. You need to sell it. Like these are like not even spend money with me. Like these right. are the things you can do with the hundred to get you where you need to go. Because right. like when I started doing music, like I took ten dollars, bought ten blank CDs from my cousin who right. DJ, sold them. Flipped it and right. just kept doing. Just kept going. Yeah. So it's like it ain't what you like. What you need is what you have, mm-hmm. and and to work with it. So like that's why I like when I when I read your your posting was like because you know I always follow what you got going on. Right. And when I read the post, and I, I like the the fact that you were being so open and honest about yeah. things, and that's what we we lack. Like I, I think you have to be the way because like I said, people weren't honest with me. I told you before we even started you know recording. Like I had partners who were fucked up. At a time when I was fucked up, and, you yeah. know, money wasn't coming in like we wanted it to, and I see everybody else looking like they balling. He's seeing everybody looking like they balling, so nobody's communicating and saying like, "Yo, man, things is hard." Yeah. Or I've reached a point in my business where I'm doing okay, but I don't know how much further I can go. Or I think I've reached this, you know, the glass ceiling or whatever the case may be. But nobody's saying anything, yeah. right? Everybody's just posting pictures of their vacation, their new cars, their new watch, their new clothes, their new shoes. So you assume everybody's doing fine. Yeah. And it's actually making you feel worse. Yeah. Because you're like, not only am I doing bad, I'm the only I'm one doing bad. You know what I'm saying? I'm by myself. I'm by myself, <laughs> dog. And it's like, I want to tell people like, yo, you're not the only one who is like ready for a change. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about my story is when I was ready for a change, I was doing things that a lot of people would love to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like. And I remember when I quit my job originally, you know, yeah. the, the tag job, the tag office job that I was telling you about originally, like, when I quit that job, I remember even though my coworkers were like, yo, I know Nick want to do music, they were all looking at me like, but why? Yeah. It's a great job. You come in here, it's easy. You make whatever it was, we make an hour, I don't know, $10, 11 an hour, whatever yeah. it was. You got benefits, you got insurance. Yeah. Why would you want to leave this? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, this sucks to me. Yeah. So now, you know, like, I'm doing this thing and everybody's like, Nick, you, you know, you get to hang out with strip club DJs and you go on tour with Jesus. I just seen y'all on Instagram, y'all was on the jet, y'all did this. And, and I'm like, yeah, but that wasn't my jet. You know what I'm saying? Like, we wasn't there because of, we wasn't necessarily there because of Nick. Yeah. We was there because of Jeezy. Now, I had a big hand in Jeezy. Like I said, I've been there with him since day one. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I wasn't necessarily enjoying the fruits of my labor, per se. I yeah. mean, I guess, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a sort of way I was... Well, because I worked hard first time, But this is like where where you at now. Mm-hmm. This is the first time not, and I, I joke about this with other people who do marketing and PR. This is the first time that you're being your own client. There like you go. You, you get to take all your creativity and you mm-hmm. put it into everybody else and to create these situations and right. to structure these things. And, and now you first get, time. And now you get to see if all that was some bullshit, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because like, you know, like you give people advice, like, yeah, what you ought to do yeah. is this, but. I'll never forget this, man. And, and it's funny because I bring my girl up a lot or my ex-girl. It's funny because like, we still got this funny relationship, right? But I tell her all the time, like, I, I just quote I heard, they say, um, don't take advice from someone who doesn't have to live with the consequences. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I always got to tell people, go do that and then walk away. Yeah. And not really have to deal with it. Now, with Jeezy, it was different. When I made mistakes, we felt it. 
Mm-hmm. When I did good, we felt it, and vice versa. When he when he made a great song, we knew immediately. When he made a bad song, we got the backlash. Yeah, and and that's kind of how it was. But you know, now it's more so like I said, it's all on me. Like I said, I'm the client and the the person giving the advice because there's no one really telling me. And the funny thing, I don't even have nobody to really ask. Like, hey, so if you was gonna start a food kind of lifestyle hip hop culture type of thing, how did you do it when you did yours? Like, I don't have nobody around to say, well, look, this is what I did. When I got my did my food thing, you know, I don't I'm in a completely weird territory. But again, now I get to see if I really as smart as I think I am. You know what I'm saying? And that's that in itself is very cool to me because you get to now see like, yo, do I really, really know what I'm doing, doing what I'm doing? Or did I just happen to luck up and catch a (laughs) jizzy? Did I happen to luck up and catch, you know, some strip club DJs that and and, and it's funny because I tell people all the time, even with that, about being lucky. Right. Yeah. Um, I caught my break literally at 22 years old. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time, like, that are like, I meet people who are like 30 something, right? And they're yeah. still like trying to get on as a rapper. Yeah. And that's like a fucked up proposition, right? You look yeah. at people and you're like, damn, you're 30 <laughs> years old, still trying to get on. But I always think to myself, like, what if I didn't catch my break at 22? What yeah. would I be doing at 30, 35 years old? Because it's easy for me to give people advice now. Shit yeah. worked out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because I'm trying to think of an artist from back in the day, right? But let's just say around the time that Jeezy started and really got going. Oh, I, 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 I'll use Lil Jon. I'll yeah. use Lil Jon, right? So Lil Jon had an incredible run, right? Yeah. But let's just say that I was working for BME around that time. Mm-hmm. BME ended up dissolving, I think I want to say in like 08. Yeah. Jeezy's still going. Yeah. To this day, Jeezy just put out an album in December. What if I had ended up being just the same Nick, just as smart, just as creative, whatever came to me, but ended up just with a different artist? Yeah. There are some really talented, creative, smart people that were working with BME who no longer are have jobs. There are artists who are no longer rapping. There are producers who are no longer producing because that ship ran its course and it just happened to have a, I don't know, five, seven, five to seven year run. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how long Crunk was alive, but we know yeah. Crunk is dead yeah. now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, I just kind of lucked up, and I'm the, yeah. benef- I'm the beneficiary of taking advantage of an opportunity and being smart and creative and and sa- savvy enough to make the most of it. But I, I would say this, to your point, though, the fact that you realize that you're not wholly responsible for everything oh, no. that the situation plays in the fact of it. God, society, like all kind of things played a part in yeah. how I got here. But then that, but then innately that makes you responsible for being cognizant of that. Yes. So that you can take advantage of the opportunities and see Absolutely. and read the writing on the wall and not just say, oh, there's writing on the wall. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's, it's a weird, it's a, it's a funky position to be in though. Because yeah. like, okay, I could probably explain to you how to do marketing. I could kind yeah. of teach you some techniques, but that's not to say that you'll have the exact same results that I had. You know what I'm saying? And you can't teach lucky. Yeah. You can't teach blessed. You can't teach prayer. You can't teach... Hey man, right time, be in the right place at the right time. I can't teach you that. Like yeah. it's one of them things that kind of happens. I was in the tag office that Kinky B just happened to walk in. Yeah. And somebody who had enough sense to say, "Hey Nick, you should meet him." And then I go out and like I said that I remember that day vividly. That person changed your life. Changed my life. You remember her name? Oh man. <laughs> oh, my god. Yes, I do. Her name was Melinda. It's a dark skin lady, short hair, wore glasses. Yep, her name was Melinda. Melinda. Yeah, but it's like, yo, like Melinda. Melinda. Is 
Belinda yeah. is responsible for Jeezy. Yes, <laughs> there we go. Exactly, right? That's, that's how everybody in the universe is. Exactly. Man. There was so, someone at the tag office, man. The tag office, dog. Right? You know what I'm saying? So that's like I said, that's a roundabout way. She might still be at the tag office. I have no idea. That should yeah. go out there one day. Yeah, you should. Right? They just say, give her some flowers, some fruit, or something. Right, buy her lunch. Yeah. But it's just one of them things, man. Life is just funny that way, and you just and you and you have to be, you know, you have to be cognizant of that. Yeah. Because. I can't. I don't know how many people are one hundred percent responsible for all of their success. There are some things that just worked out. If you ever read a book called Outliers, it explains yeah. so much. And I want to I, 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 I tell you a funny thing about that before you even say anything. Yeah. I used to hate reading. Yeah, I started reading maybe like three, four years ago. Okay. Um, and I just got. I started buying books. Some of the books I wasn't even reading. I just was buying books because I was like, I should have books. Yeah. You know, somebody told me I should read. I was like, fuck it, I'll read. Yeah. But I wasn't reading. But a friend of mine told me that Outliers are really good, so I started reading it. Mm-hmm. And it started to tell you how some things played out. And if, have you yeah. read Outliers? I read part of it. Okay. I didn't finish it. So uh, Purple Cow was the... Purple Cow is very dope. I have that book too. Purple Cow, yeah. So check this out. So the Outliers, right, it's, it tells you about like Steve Jobs and Bill yeah. Gates, stuff like that, right? So it tells you that like Bill Gates, smart guy, yeah. very, you know, savvy, technological savvy, but he just happened to grow up in... Uh, I, I want to say he was in Seattle or Washington or something yeah, like that. His, Either Oregon or Washington. family. Right. So he had money. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was a college that he lived nearby mm-hmm. that happened to have this computer that nobody yeah. else had. I think only maybe three the or four. Of main front. Right. Like, three or four com- yeah. uh, colleges had it. He just happened to live by that computer, mm-hmm. which meant that he had access to it. His family knew the people who were at the school, so they would let him come in and just fuck around on it and play on it. So he got good at it. He got good at it at a time when nobody else could get good at it because they didn't have the access to it. Mm-hmm. So is Bill Gates smart? Clearly he is. Is yeah. he talented and, and, and sad? Clearly he is. But he also took advantage of being just happened to be in proximity to something that 99% of the world didn't have access to. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. he was already going to be in a small group of people who even had a chance at creating something like Microsoft. Yeah. And Steve Jobs' story is very similar yeah. in nature. Like, these people happen to grow up. Hell, I tell people all the time about Coalition DJs. Yeah. We just happen to be in Atlanta. Yeah. Because we were, in strip, <laughs> we were doing strip clubs in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Nobody would give a fuck. Yeah. Nobody would care if I was the head of the Coalition DJs in Wouldn't Tulsa, Wouldn't be on Oklahoma. Wall Street Journal. Hell no. <laughs> I'm, 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 again, blessings, love. Yes. All this worked out because I'm in Atlanta, a city yeah. that just happened to blow up because of the music. All the rappers are from here. Yeah. I work with the DJs who are in the strip clubs in the main spot in downtown, Magic City, Onyx, all that stuff. Yeah. And it happened through no creation of my own. I didn't yeah. create the music business, yeah. nor did I create the traffic, the trip club create. I didn't bring the strippers there. I just happened to control the entity that works and benefits the, the ecosystem of what it is. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that and, and say, yo, this didn't have to go this way. Yeah. Hell, even being in Atlanta, like, that's not my choice. Yeah. That's my parents' choice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ever seen the Chris Rock special? He's like, are you, and then people are like, I'm American, I'm American. He's yeah. like, you're not special because you came out of a pussy in Detroit. Yeah. Like, you could have been born in Afghanistan or some yeah. random country. You just happen yeah. to be born on American the, soil. Like you're not special. Birth, birth lottery. Yeah, you know, like. Because like, you, some, and that's, and that's speaking to what we're talking about with the, the whole thing with the, our culture, too. Mm-hmm. Like, being born into certain circumstances, mm-hmm. you got a whole set of problems or a whole set of priorities that just given to you. Like mm-hmm. this is your birthright, mm-hmm. not not you came from a banking family or you mm-hmm. this. So I think and that's, some people are born in the hood. Yeah, some people are born in <laughs> silver spoons and matches. 
And so, but that speaks to also one of the things like I, I think Jay Z destroyed the music industry. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. And I'm gonna tell you because he's planted in people's head that you can be this phenomenal artist mm-hmm. and businessman, right? Not realizing that he is a great businessman, absolutely. But he also started with. Another, right. You see yes, what I'm saying? So yes. it wasn't like he was just making it all his. So, but now rappers think that, well, I'm I'm the CEO and this, that, and the other. Because and he sold the story. Yeah, he sold the story. And they bought it. It goes back to the story. It's yeah. always the story. Because the story is very but you, compelling. But the, people got the I did it my way story is very compelling. Very. But at that point, people, we know when we go see Terminator, mm-hmm. like we know that, you know, the robots aren't taking over outside. Right. Like we know that it's a story. There's that disconnect. And I think that's part of the problem that plagues hip hop is there's 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 no disconnect between the, the story mm-hmm. and reality. And reality. So, nigga, why ain't you selling dope then? Like, right. like nigga, you ain't killed nobody yet? Like, like. Yeah. And, and, you know what's funny? You're absolutely right about that because I still get the, you know, people still expect Jesus to be selling you know bricks hey. T.I. to do the same thing like people will have this expectation of like you're still actively out on somebody's corner yes doing these things it's like dude but that's not that's not that's 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 un, that's so unrealistic you know what I'm saying and, and you're right like I said but it's the story you're so compelled by the story it's hard to see it's hard to change the narrative once you've kind of bought into it yeah um I watch sports a lot I watch ESPN yeah. right so they'll you know I've heard Stephen A. and all of them, they talk about the narrative. Mm-hmm. And, I, and and actually, this particular thing came from Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, once you kind of tell the story of an, of, a, of an athlete being a certain way, no matter what he does, he's kind of pigeonholed into that story. So if you tell everybody that Charles Barkley is this rough, tough, yeah. you know, he, don't, he ain't got to be a role model, yada, 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 yeah. that's his shtick now. Yeah. So when he does something nice... That's the odd thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't fit into that story you've told about Charles Barkley. And that story was told about Allen Iverson. Yeah. That story, which, you know, he became their hip hop, yeah. tattoos, and braids guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Floyd Mayweather has that story. On and on and on. So when they do something out of that character, it's like, yo, but that's essentially a story. And it's a story that almost, they had a little bit to do with it, but yeah. really the media created this this story about Allen Iverson. But who he was and what he was about. We don't understand that. Like, and it comes kind of with the music industry. I'm the rapper, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna do everything, and this is what I am. They mm-hmm. don't know to get. Let me get this publicist who can yes. tell the tell right story, story or tell, hey, come up with the story. Like, cause I do this with a lot of clients. Like, yo, like, yo, this this ain't this ain't gonna work. Like, this, right. <laughs> this is not this ain't what you want to put out there. Right. And it's like even people think like even with PR, just marketing is just about marketing, they think it's just passing out flyers. They right. think PR is just sending out press releases. They don't understand so much more to it. the creative aspect of looking and saying, what is unique and what can we do with you right. to get to the money? Right. What is, what is significant? And I think that comes from just having a self-check. Yeah. I think, and I think men are more apt to do it, unfortunately not in the music business, yeah. than women. But you know, I, I used to have this, it's a funny thing, we used to have these conversations, right? Like, if you, you know, you as a man, right, if you wanted to date Halle Berry, right, mm-hmm. I think you would go in the mirror, you'd look at yourself and say, I need can to get I? some money. <laughs> I, didn't even have to, I didn't even have to finish my sentence because that's the first thing you thought, right? You're saying, yo, if I really want to date Halle and I want to be at her level, 
It's a couple of I gotta of get some money. <laughs> I gotta get some money. Yeah. Because with the money, I'm gonna dress a certain way, move a certain way, kind of present myself a My certain way. My swag gonna be a little different, and my proximity is gonna change. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's if you want to date Rihanna, yeah. Beyonce, any of these people, right? With females, a lot of time is they just feel like, yo, I just gotta meet them. Yeah. I ain't gotta change nothing. I don't need yeah. no additional money. I don't need to get. If he meet me, if I meet Denzel tomorrow, yeah. he gonna want me. And these, I, I watch girls come to the club and come to these shows all the time. They see Jesus, they see Tip, they see people. All I gotta do is just meet him. Yeah. If I meet him, he's gonna fall. They don't assess themselves and say, yo, if I had more money, yeah. if I was moving a certain way, if I had this, he would he would rock with me. They say, oh, you know, I just gotta show up. Yeah. <laughs> Rappers kind of have that mentality too. Like, yeah. I just gotta show up. Yo. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's the thing that nobody takes that self check. I, I remember being 30. I remember I turned like tw- I remember 28, 29 years yeah. old, and I said, and I finally that was the time I really got comfortable with myself. Yeah, like I have a lot of great assets, but I also say, all right, cool. I'm not terribly tall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, my teeth aren't perfectly straight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not. I don't have a at the time. I don't have a Mercedes Benz or I don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying, okay, this is me, and I'm yeah. cool with that. Because for men, for the most part, for years of your life, you pretty much do what's cool. Yeah. You just following whatever you think girls like, your homeboys like. Yeah. So whatever they into that day, you into it. Yeah. Everybody in the video games now, nah, cool. I'm in, I'm playing Madden. <laughs> Y'all in the Georges now, nah, cool. I'm switching up. Y'all in the Reeboks today, cool. I'm going back to the, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. that's what guys do. I can't speak for women, yeah. but I know for a fact men chase what's cool. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a point in your life and you say, you know what? I'm cool with me. You know what? To piggyback off that, mm-hmm. we do that, but women set what's cool. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So there you go. Like I said, this like, and this is I joke about this all the time. Like I started programming, computer mm-hmm. programming when I was like 12, mm-hmm. 13. Mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to code and make video games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then I got to high school and I about sixteen, I started rapping because that wouldn't give me no ass. So now I'm rapping like my whole music career turned like because like as a culture, like this is this is what's acceptable, this is what's cool, this is what's gonna get the girl because like back then, like I was born a decade too early. <laughs> like, there you go. There you go. I, I could have been I could have been uh, Mark Zuckerberg, but I wanted to be Diddy. <laughs> hey, 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 there you go. There you go. So, but yeah, like the the, the that's even hold on. that's even part of the Outliers book too. Oh really? About when you were born. Oh yeah, because yeah. Keep in mind, like you said, you're you're a couple years younger than me, right? Yeah. But mind you, if we were about six or seven years older. We would have been around for the LaFace. Yeah. The beginning of a lot of those labels. Yeah. So we actually could have had an opportunity to be Diddy. I was in Shaka Zulu, right? Oh, I was on. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, yeah. But you know, you had but, 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 that's my, but my point is, yeah. You know, depending on when you're born, yeah. where you're born, a lot of that stuff ha- plays a part in how yeah. life turns out for you. Like, there are people. My parents are possibly too old to have created Instagram. Yeah, because the technology and everything, they weren't even privy to the things that would have allowed them to create an Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's a young man's game right now. That's yeah. Silicon Valley thing. It's a young man's game. You don't see too many old people in that thing. But anyway, back to your point. Yeah. No, no. But it's like, I kind of like the, and it's a great, because combining all that is societal. Like mm-hmm. the social norms. Like, because they wouldn't even think, like, I literally, literally, mm-hmm. like, in the past month, just really started using Instagram. 
Wow. I've had an account for I don't know how long because you know at first it started on just iPhones, right? And I had a Droid, so right. So what are your So then when it came to Droid, I was like, all right, I downloaded, created an account because I always secure my names, right? No matter what, I'm on Keek, um, really? Cat, everything. No, so that's like, smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's smart. By the way, I should definitely do that. <laughs> so, um, like, I, I already have your um, other stuff. So if you want to buy it, we'll talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> that's very smart. Man. Very smart. <laughs> so, um, but. It, it got to a point where, like, I had like four or five thousand followers mm-hmm. on on Instagram, but I was like, I would go weeks without posting. Right. I didn't like stuff. I didn't comment on stuff. I would get on there just to let people know. But then I had to realize, like, because it just me. I'm just I'm not the person to be taking pictures of my. And it's too much. Like I love Twitter because I be having thoughts and right. I throw it just out there and see what people. But it's yeah. too much that goes into an Instagram post. I got to take a picture, filter. I'm the same way with Snapchat. Yeah. Oh, I, I've just. I got on it. it. I literally got on it today for for the bite life, but I haven't done anything with it. Yeah. See. Um, <laughs> uh, whatever. I I and it's like I'm. I felt like I felt old because I'm at A3C with this like chick. She's like 22 or something. Like explaining Snapchat to me. Like, right. Like, right. I get it, but I just for from a societal point of view, like what is the fun in this? Like right. what is the right. like. This is like these these stories. Your stories are boring. You let me know how boring your life is. Thank like, you. Like I tell people all the time, man. Like social media, what it has done has exposed a lot of the the facade that yeah. you thought. You know what I'm saying? Like the video is what's really killing people yeah. because it was when it was just pictures. You can yeah. kind of you kind of had to. You can make it look your, plump. Yeah, <laughs> pictures kind of you can kind of tell your own story yeah. with a picture. Yeah. A video really tells you. Yeah. What's cracking? Yeah. And you really start to be like, oh, you're kind of corny. Yeah. <laughs> or I th- this person I thought was so cool or so popular and really don't really do nothing out there. I thought your life was one way. This ain't that. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of weird, man. Like, I, I so, so we're, we're, we're in a weird space right now. Yeah. And the people who are able to survive in this space, not just financially, but just literally just live yeah. in this time and, 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 and era are going I don't I don't know what we're going to turn out to be cuz I yeah. think you got to be very mentally strong to just live how we live especially being black. Yeah. You know, so living these times where you know police is killing us and cancer is killing us and diabetes is killing us and then we on top of that we got we killing us. We killing <laughs> hey, how, how about that? We killing yeah. us. Then you're expected to you know every girl expects you to live like a rapper. Yeah. Because that's what they see on Instagram and reality shows so it's like you know like I see girls like and every I want a ten carat ring. I'm like, you know what a ten carat ring really cost, and what a guy would have to do to be able to provide that ten carat ring. Like, and it's a it's a kind of and that's that that once again that disconnect because then we have to put on this facade of being that, but just like they have the the um, the the standard that they're held to, everyone has to look like this Instagram right. model or looks right. like this. Everyone got to have a booking and you got to be like this really out there and everything sexual and all that to 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 get that but then it's like but but the the, the difference between the men and the women like there are no waist trainers for my bank account like like, like, it's certain things that you can do to make it look (laughs) but it that's a fact that's what it comes down to that's a fact (laughs) there are no way boy you said a mouthful that you said a mouthful Like that's I mean that's just real man and I just I just I, I just pray for, for for myself and the people around me and I just say yo like you know God just make it work. Yeah. Because you know like we're all I think like you said the gener- even the generation before us and, st- and from there moving forward like everybody's a dreamer now. 
Yeah. Everybody had these big goals. Nobody's concerned about working at a job 25 years, retiring, yeah. living off Social Security, you know, getting your gold watch or whatever it is that you get when you retire and moving on. Everybody's like, yo, I have, I'm one idea away from becoming the next the Mark Zuckerberg. Dream. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a, I think that's a healthy to feel like, yo, anything could be that move. You know, so I could just be walking down the street, have an idea, and with the right amount of time and effort, I could be the next whatever. But at the same time, it gives you this false sense of what life yeah. truly is. Like, because keep in mind, everybody can't be Mark Zuckerberg. Everybody hasn't read The Outliers. Everybody, yeah, exactly. There you it's go. like everything's possible, yeah. but not everything's probable. Like there you go. Like, like even with like like we, me and my wife was talking about the whole even with Barack. Right. Like all right, so you know one of his parents was white. I didn't. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then you know, and he did grow up uh, in Hawaii, like mm-hmm. with his grandparents, mm-hmm. who was a veteran, and his right. grandmother passed right before the election. Like oh. it was like a lot of stuff that went into the narrative, so, like of, of who he was, what he was about, and the whole nine. It, wasn't, mind, it was, wasn't buried from the South Side of Chicago. Like. There you go. There you go. Like like I said, it, it, everything plays a part. Like I said, yeah. he wasn't just some random yeah. hood cat <laughs> that became president. Like he he had. A lot of things at his disposal. Yeah. One of which was the story. Yeah. And if you remember correctly, the story was change. Yeah. Here's this black man. That's a change in itself. Yeah. You know, it's change, and he he don't talk like a president. He don't talk like how presidents in past talk. Yeah. He don't look like him. He you know he 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 go to the barber shop and, yeah. and you know like man that felt so good. <laughs> oh, man. Like, like he playing basketball. He get a play. <laughs> Again, but that's the story. Now, yeah, I, yeah. Don't get me wrong; he may love basketball. Yeah. He, I don't, no, I don't I, know. It, but at the same time, it could be complete bullshit. Yeah. That's what I've learned but as a marketing But I believe it because because it's I want the but, image. Because I want to believe yeah. it. You believe it because you want to believe. It. You want to believe that there's somebody kind of like you yes. that has a shot to be the president. Yes. I think everybody wants that. Everybody wants to believe yeah. that there's somebody like them that could accomplish amazing things. Here's the thing: because you brought up a great thing, mm-hmm. like, do you feel that to an extent? Because we do like this American dream where anything's possible. Mm-hmm. At what point does hope become dangerous? Because that's the thing with the music industry. I work on an article that talks about like you know when because there's no like if you're gonna hoop, there's a track like right. high school. You ain't on the starting right. like you, right. you ain't know <laughs> when you in college right. ain't no prospect like you you kind of know you get to a point where you mm-hmm. know what your options are mm-hmm. with this music. Thirty six. 40, 45. Man, that's a great, that's a, you know what, that's an amazing question. When is hope dangerous? I think hope is dangerous when you start to prioritize the things that are truly valuable in life and you put them further down the list. Mm-hmm. And I would say that not just with music, but I would just say that with just anything. I think that when, you know, your health, your family, your spiritual beliefs, your just overall well-being is harmed by your hope. I think that's when hope becomes dangerous. I think that, like you said, I don't know that it's an age per se. I think yeah. that in rap, we've all been conditioned that if you're not owned by whatever, you know, let's yeah. say 29. Because it seems to be like 30 is the is the deep, is the line yeah. of like, Yo, oh, you ain't owned by 30? Oh, you can stop. Artists, like literally, because, you know, we do the things where we give away performances and mm-hmm. stuff right. and like and then the whole thing is just for them having the membership and submitting so it's just off of their talent it ain't how much money you got it's right. really off your talent so 
is one artist that we he had a good song and we put him on a show mm -hmm. and like the way that we announce it we have it where uh, we send it out in the email blast and have everybody tweet because I believe in like we got to cheerlead for each other sometimes mm -hmm. so everybody cheer hey congratulations whatever so when we're at the show and he come out and he meets me for the first time he's like yo I thought I, I was lightweight getting smart with niggas because I thought niggas don't, I'm from up north niggas don't be congratulating niggas I'm thinking niggas joking and stuff so and he's like and he was really talking to me he was like I'll be real with you, like, bro, I thought it was some bullshit, like, and you know, this is a young man's game, man. I'm like 26, and now I'm like, I'm like, yo, 26? <laughs> Damn. I'm like, nigga, I must be ancient. Like, no. That's crazy. He said, I'm like, this is a young man's game, I'm 26. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're dirt. Yeah, he, he, he dirt my head up. Like, <laughs> he, killed you with, he killed you with that. Like, he shot your shit right out the sky with that one. Yeah, But I mean, like, I, but I've seen aspiring artists. You know, do things where like they're they're not taking care of their kids yeah. because they're paying for studio time. Yeah, and you know they're not taking care of their kids because they had to go buy an outfit for a photo shoot. Yeah, and I'm saying to myself like, yo, like, but dog, that's your that's your child, and I got two little girls, so I'm yeah. very I'm real like big on like taking care of your kids. Yeah. I got I got people that I was friends with that I stopped being friends with because they was on some like funny shit with their kids. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it don't affect me. Yeah. But just to know that you kinda that kind of person, yeah. I'm like, eh. Know what type of person you are. Like Yeah, like you like, you know, that shit funny with me, but I just I I, I see people all the time that's like so focused on their rap career that they're yeah. allowing their kids or, you know, their parents or somebody else to suffer because of it. Mm -hmm. If your dream don't affect nobody but you I'm super cool with that. I tell people yeah. all the time, like, when you're single and you don't have no kids, right, you can yeah. eat Raisin Bran for dinner. Yeah. You can eat toast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, yeah. and nobody cares because it's just you. It's only affecting you. But when you got a kid or you're having to drop the kids off with your parents or you're having to, like, borrow money from your brother or you're having to do all these things, it's like, yo, like, somebody else is having to sacrifice for you. For your dream. For your dream. I don't know that that's fair. I think that, if I want to help you, I should be, you know, I should be allowed to volunteer and help you. But yeah. I shouldn't be put in a predicament where I got to work two jobs because you got a dream. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or I got to take on more responsibility because you decided that this is right. the path you wanted to take. And I don't think that's fair. What you just said, like, is it and it's it's even beyond the, the those close knit relationships. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like this mentality that we have that my dream is more important than your dream. Like. How? I'm not gonna pay you for this beat, right? Because I'm gonna take this money and get this record hot, so I can do what I need to do, right? And like the like <laughs> the DJs like don't want like I don't want to pay you to promote my right. record, and like every everybody when everyone believes like in getting paid until mm -hmm. they the one with the invoice. There you go. And so it's like like when it's, the, when it's my dream, when it's me and mm -hmm. what I'm doing, and like that's that's kind of like. But I tell people that all the time, man. Like, you know, like, I, I try to establish early on in relationships, like, what are we what are we doing? Are we yeah. friends or are we, are we doing business? Yeah. Because I can do it both ways. And, you know, I'm, and I'm open to doing it both ways. Yeah. But it's like this. I run a business, you run a business. So if making a magazine wants to do something with Coalition, fantastic. But if I charge you mm -hmm. and you say, all right, cool, Nick, you want me to pay me? You want, I got to pay you $500,000 to do that? Cool. But when I come back to you, mm -hmm. I expect you yeah. to say, "Hey, well, you know, Nick, I, you know, me and you handled business when, when it was time when it was your turn. Yeah. Now we gotta handle business on my end. Now, what I don't expect is if I give you the world for free, 
Yeah. Then I come back to you and you charge me. I'm like, hey, hold on. I thought we was yeah. doing the free thing. I thought we doing the free thing. Had I known that. Like, you know, so I always tell my DJs, I tell people up around, like, yo, my nigga, like, if you're going to make that person do business with you, all fine and dandy. Just know that if they, if you need them to reciprocate something on their end, they more than likely are going to want to do business with you. And yeah. you can't be offended. I see so many people, and like, be offended. And I'm like, how? They paid you? That's why I think the problem is, that's why I hate bartering. Because bartering puts us at an economic disadvantage from a cultural standpoint. Because mm-hmm. we only do that with each other. Right. Because then we, Georgia Power ain't bartering with none of us. Oh, no. So, no. like, so no. now we, we inconvenience ourselves mm-hmm. for this and then we still have to pay out to others. So, and the cash flow is a real problem with black and minority businesses. Mm-hmm. And then especially when you are they like financing for like bridge loans and things like that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you're right. doing other more. Like, yeah, yeah, so it's like it's a totally different thing. So it's like that's why I and one of the things that it was uh I had to learn early on, like when I started my first magazine, is I used to just want to pay everybody. I want to make sure everybody got compensated for whatever it was. And it's like in doing that, mm-hmm was hell like because <laughs> the same people or the other people they don't want to pay like uh, no nah, we like just do this and, right. and then we'll, we'll give you some store credit we do that like right. can't pay my writers with that exactly like it don't work like that man and I, I just like you said we we do that a lot and we only do it with each other yeah and like you said nobody else accepts that that bartering currency yeah. from us man so i just you we know gotta start printing some black dollars we, we gotta do something man <laughs> some things gotta change but Again, man, I just think we gotta we gotta start some it's, it's a it's a mentality it's a perspective change. Yeah, and if we can change our perspective on how we doing and why we doing, I think it'll change the the end results, man. So I just like I said, I try to, you know, just to kind of wrap it all up, I, I try to be as transparent and as honest and as forthcoming as I can in telling the people who are coming after me, mm-hmm. but also telling the people that I'm currently peers with or that I'm doing business with, like, hey, this is where this is where I am. Um, I you know I don't go into, I used to be the guy years and years ago when I was young to say what's your budget ah, I ain't got no budget I mean it's whatever yeah cause that sounds like you balling right but uh, the truth is listen that's the guy that doesn't have it <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know what I'm saying so I try to be as forthcoming as I can and say listen man this, this is what this is what I'm working with currently yeah. and this is what makes sense you know I had to tell some people that I rock with recently like this early this week like no um, and it bothered me a little bit but I'm like yo dog like I'm starting a brand new thing yeah. And so I either got to work, figure it out with somebody else mm-hmm. or me and you have to work out a way for me to to do this where either we do it later on or I pay you in pieces or whatever because you're charging me a lot of money, which yeah. right now, if I kick that out to you, generally speaking, that would be nothing. Yeah. But because I'm starting a brand new business, kicking that all out to you leaves me nothing yeah. to move forward afterwards. Because so, you have a budget. Because you can think in the heart. Exactly. I know it. I know for a fact. I look at my, I look at my like, budget every yo, day. That's thirty six percent of what I got. <laughs> exactly. This one, this particular thing was about fifty, and I'm like, I can't do that, dog. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I, and again, I tell people all the time, like, I don't want to ever show up. development. No, no. So something completely different. Okay. Well, I might have. Let me know because I might have some plug. Like, yeah. You know, I do like a lot of different. Yeah, I mean, we definitely talk, man, yeah. but it's like, I, I tell people all the time, like, yo, I know what my budget is, I look at it every day. Yeah. So, I have to make decisions based around that budget. I can't play myself. Yeah. I, I'd be ignorant. I'd be the dumbest person in the world to play myself yeah. and, and put myself in a position. You, you, know? your, you, your, you are your client now. Yes. How are you going to not ask yourself what your budget is? 
Exactly, man. But but you know, but I, I tell people all the time, like, yo, man, like, I, I can't do it right now. So yeah. I mean, you know, and that's and that's what it is. And I don't and I don't feel no shame about it. It used yeah. to be a time where I felt a little funny, like especially with Instagram telling you that everybody bought. But hey, one thing I know about that Instagram man is that they ain't, everybody ain't bought. Yeah, because right. the minute that you ask them for some money, yeah. or the minute you try to sell them something, now it's they give you the same shit they used to give. Yeah. So it's like okay, we all in the same we all yeah. in the same footing. I get it, but. You you're you're selling you're you're telling a story. Yeah. And I can't knock you for telling your story, but you know, like, you know, but you know, let me we we partners, tell me what it is. Yeah. Like, just, just between me and you, like, can you you know, I I got this saying, man, everybody can do something for you till you ask them to do it. Yeah. And I and that's that's my number one pet peeve. Like I've had partners tell me like, oh man, you know, I'm the A and R says, man, I get you a deal with like that. I got to just bring me anything. I get anybody a deal. Yeah. Then you bring them something. They like, oh man, well, you know, the guy that you need to talk to, he out the office, yeah. and then it's like, no, nah, but I thought you said you was the man. You told me you could get the deal. The only reason I brought this to you was because you've been selling me on this. And you can do this and you can do that. Now that when I need you to do it, it ain't nothing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yo, let me tell y'all what this really is about. Like I might, as a matter of fact, tomorrow on Facebook, I may tell people like tomorrow, like yo, dog, like I'm at the house. By myself, and I'm kind of thinking about going back to my girl, even though I really don't want to be with her. But I'm kind of like, I kind of just miss a person in the house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I feel like people need to hear that shit. Because I know I'm not the only person that ever felt that way. You know what I'm saying? Or you feel like, yo, I quit this thing, and it's like, shit, man. Like, I, I mean, I was, it was, a, it was the void. right decision. The void. But it's like, yeah, but I, but I created four void. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, yeah, I didn't no, create no. one. I created a whole life. I like, created a whole new life. You know what I'm saying? It was funny because it was like. I have, I've been having company at the house. Like, yeah. I just, just between, you know, it ain't between me. You yeah. talking, I've been having company at the house. Uh-huh. I never have company at my house. Yeah. But now there's nobody that I got to not tiptoe around, but I just didn't bring people to the house because I was like, yo, I got my girl here and her child. And, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to just create a bunch of people at my house. But now that it's just me, I'm like, I don't have those same constrictions. So now I'm like. And it's quiet. Right. And it's quiet. <laughs> so, you know, I had one of my DJs come over, give me a DJ lesson. I had a homegirl come over, teach me poker. Mm-hmm. I've been having. Uh, my ex is like, you've been having parties and just, you don't never do that. And I'm like, yeah, but shit, I'm lonely. I'm like, I ain't got shit to do. I said, I'm focused on bike life 16 hours a day. Yeah. So, y'all, I'm entitled to an hour of of something. But some of it is like, y'all, I'm like, I'm, I need to feel this time. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, but I think that people need to hear that. Yeah. They need to hear that somebody who they fuck with and that they respect has those moments. Yeah. They need to see that somebody who looks like they have it all together, has doubts. Yeah. Because when you become an entrepreneur, because when somebody somebody tells you that dumb shit about quit your job and follow yeah. your passion, that when you go do that, you're going to have days or weeks like Nick had. And Nick's successful. Yeah. So if successful Nick has these days, you're absolutely going to have your day because yeah. you've never done this. I haven't had a regular job since 2002. Yeah. So for going on 14 years, I've been surviving out here on my own, making my own money through non-traditional methods. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't always get a check yeah. every two weeks. We made money as we made money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, as money came in, money went out. And I think that if you're used to getting a check every Friday or every other Friday, whatever case may be, this life might not be for you. Because yeah. when that check don't show up and you don't have that safety net, what you going to do? You going to fall? You going to run back to the job? What you, you know, are you going to follow your passion? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, I really try to be as forthcoming and as transparent as I can because I want people to see what it is because people nobody showed me. Nobody told me about the days that Mark Zuckerberg was like, oh, this shit might not work. Yeah. This Facebook shit is not 
what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> this, you know, nobody tells you about you know these other guys who became millionaires. You know, nobody tells you about the time that you know when um, a basketball player had an injury and he was like, "This might be it." Yeah. Or you know that football player who you know retired and had his millions of dollars and tried to start a business and it didn't, it didn't go to where he wanted it to go and he's just sitting there like, "What am I going to do?" Especially like, when you have the people depending on you. Like yes. you guys are like I'm married. I got uh, absolutely four kids. Like, there you go. And uh, see, I got ex wife, two kids. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, all this is like so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it just be like, like, uh, yeah. That's pressure. <laughs> that's real pressure. Yeah. To me, that's real it's pressure. Always fourth quarter. Like always, <laughs> every day, every day. And when you and when you, when you and when I meet guys who don't give a fuck about their response, you know, their kids, or uh, they don't have them responsibility. I'm like, yeah, that's why you move the way you move because you don't have that same yeah. urgency. I'm like, yo, this urgent. I got. Bills to pay. I got people to take care of. I, this this can't flop. Or if it does, I I definitely gotta have something ready to to go with because if this doesn't work, yeah. nothing stops. Like you said, George Powell doesn't want to hear. Yeah. Hey man, I tried to do this bite life thing and you know uh, didn't really pan out. So you know I need like three months to kind of get this shit back together. They said I will tell you what, I'm gonna cut these lights off for three months and then when you're ready, <laughs> we'll get them back on for you, sir. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just feel like. A shift in the in, in the mindset, a shift in perspective, and a shift in just, you know, the transparency of everything will benefit everybody a whole lot more. Because I think if more people told me that things were difficult or that they were nervous or that they were apprehensive about certain things, I think you go into things a lot more realistic. Yeah. Like you said, people jump into the music game thinking, oh, I'm just going to change my life tomorrow. I'm going to yeah. make a song and blow up. Especially that that street culture, and this is one thing I was like, the rap game is the new dope game. Yeah. And every time I said like, you don't need a marketing plan to sell crack. Mm. Like, there's already a fan base. Yeah. Kind of sell itself, right? Yeah. It's 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 just that that concept, but it's everything that we bring over with (laughs) that thinking that. Yo, it's just going, and that's the story that P sold, that that uh, everybody sold. Every successful rapper has sold a story that was compelling enough where you were like, man, I want to do that. Yeah. So you know, I get it. Yeah. I mean, I've bought the stories too, so it's yeah. not like I'm I'm the lone person that like I see through all the stories. There you go. Exactly. I helped sell. I helped create some of the stories. You know what I'm saying? So. I completely get it. Yeah. I just want to, but you know, at the same time, like you said, there's no disconnect. Like you said, you know, yeah. you know, the Terminator is a story. You know, yeah. the weapon is a story. You know that these things are stories. When Mel Gibson goes home, you know he's yeah. not. I'm not calling him because I have a breaking, breaking and entering there situation. You there you go. There you go. You know that Samuel L. Jackson is not the guy from Pulp Fiction. You know what I'm saying? Like you get it. With rappers, you think that they're Jay Z on TV and Jay Z at home. You think yeah. that these, you think Jeezy walks into the house like. What the fuck? Blah, blah, blah. Like you, you think that he does that twenty four seven? Yo, first time I met Jeezy though, mm-hmm. I did not expect him to sound like the album. Like, Absolutely, that's his fucking voice. Like yeah, that's him. That's, that's, that's Jeezy. Like, you know, he talking, he talking, talk, man. And, like, and the funny thing about it, like he's one of the, he's actually really one of the smartest guys that I know because I will, well, hold on, I don't want to take that back. I want to say like I'm saying I don't believe that. One thing he has a great grasp of of is who he is. Yeah. He's very aware of who he is, what he's about, and what his brand is. Mm-hmm. And so he's very true to that. Uh, and I think that takes a ton of courage. Yeah. Um, which is why, you know, when people ask me who my top 10 rappers are, I think they'd be surprised at who my top 10 rappers are. Because I love Pop. I'm a huge Pop fan, and Pop yeah. is definitely my top 10. 
But the reason he's not my number one is because he didn't he didn't live he didn't live long enough. Yeah. And here's my thing. This is when we asked. Remember, I asked you earlier. I said, "What's one thing that you believe that?" Yeah. Like, I think Jay Z is one of the best to ever do it. Actually, yeah. he's my number one favorite. The reason I say that is because Jay Z lived through the eras. Yeah. So we never got to see Big and Pac when they. And everybody's saying you got to do an auto tune song. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly what I'm about to say. Thank you. You never got yeah. to see Big and Park when they had to do they collab. You know when they had to come down south and do the yeah. South collab. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You never had to. You know you, they never had to go through that phase when they was like, man, Pop getting old. He need to stop. Yeah. yeah. Big yeah. getting old. He need to stop. You I know? was just talking to my wife. Like this is so crazy because we um with Pop and Big. Like mm-hmm. I lean toward Pop. Really? Okay. Me too. I lean toward Pop because. It was a whole the, a feeling for Absolutely. All emotion. But Biggie was the better rapper. Technician. Sure. Absolutely. Lyrically, he was better. I, I think, honestly, I don't think no one's doper than M right now. Like, M is Eminem, amazing. Eminem is the best because amazing. he doesn't have the cultural restrictions. Right. He can rap about mom's spaghetti and then, right, right, right. like, well, we won't say certain things right. because that doesn't fit into my cool image. There you go. He can find every fucking rhyme mm-hmm. in this shit. So that's why. But it's like Pac and Big. Mm-hmm. Both of them did the collaboration with Bone. There you go. Notorious Thug, yep. Thug Love. Which one? Ooh. I don't know. I think I'm the Dangerous. Say to me, Nick Bang. Yeah. I love that shit. That's, that's, just, that's just amazing. Yes. Big went the hell off on that. Yeah. I love Thug Love, but I like, I mean, that's. But that's, sheesh, that's big, it. Big, like, it's on equal, me, right? equal. It was in that same time frame, equal platform. Both of them out of the element. Mm-hmm. Like, it yeah. was just like, and I was like, yeah. Yeah. Big. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I just, you know, like I said, I even want to do a stage play, dog. I can get you, you know, whoever's listening, who want to get with me. I want to do a stage play about, like, what if Big and Pac had lived. Yeah. Because I want to show that story. I want to tell that story of, yeah. like, watching people say, oh, man, Pop trying to, Pop doing a song with Future. What the fuck? You know, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Big trying to be right from the South. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I want to see that when they, like, man, all Big songs sound like he from Atlanta now. Yeah. And people are like, yo, this is one of the greatest rappers of all time. But now yeah. y'all flexing on this man because yeah. he trying to keep up with the times. He got an auto-tune record. He got yeah. a, he making a strip club record. All yeah. this is like, I would love to tell that story because I think it's controversial. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. I think it's something that I think many people have different perspectives of. But I, I always say this about rappers that die. If you kill most rappers at their prime, they you say different things about them, right? Yeah. If you kill Jeezy after TM101, people say, oh my God, he was the greatest yeah. or at least one of the greats to ever do it. No, this is what I would say. Kill about Wayne Jeezy. after quarter three. About about Jeezy. Hmm? Like I was in Indianapolis at the time when uh, when things were just like, when he was hitting his stride. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, I think... The first album was just about to come out, about mm-hmm. to come out, but he was coming there for a show, mm-hmm. Club Method. Like, mm-hmm. and I know this, he, he, he's like the fucking president. Mm-hmm. Like, every track, nigga, every dope boy, like, mm-hmm. niggas was cleaning up the cars, watching, nigga, Jeezy coming into town. Like, like, real shit. Like, real shit. Like, like, nigga, like, he. And that was in every city. Keep in it, mind. It's, we did it everywhere. Yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like I was saying, in Louisville, mm-hmm. um, I think and, and was it Cincinnati at the Ritz? Mm-hmm. Like, but like it was just that like he that he commanded that energy. He was and he popped. I wanted to say it, but I want to fall out. But <laughs> when I say pop, I turn, I'm talking about in terms of the emotions moves. and yeah. the energy that he pulls from his fans. Exactly. Like I don't know that Biggie pulled it out of his fans. I think Biggie people were like, he wow, he's out of New York. 
I don't even know about that. I think people was like, man, that dude can rap his ass off. They said, man, lyrically, what he does, like you said, te- 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 he's a technician. Yeah. So it's like, how he did it, what he said, the way he flipped versus the way he jumped on song, I think he was amazing. Yeah. Pac didn't have the the lyrical um, agility. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that big hat. But his but the way he said it and what he said, and yeah. it just felt like that. He mean that. Yeah. Like, it almost sounded like Biggie was just like, Yo, I'm just dope. So I'm just saying lyrical, he lyrical, said lyrical, lyrical, And he was like, wow, Biggie, dope as fuck. Like, but Pop the was like, line was, first off, fuck you. <laughs> like, oh, he like, yo, he really mean that shit. Yeah, he really yeah. like, fuck like, my bitch. <laughs> like, that shit. Oh. Like, you felt it. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm going to tell you what's funny. Like you said, I'm saying, first off, fuck your bitch and click the claim, right? So that was big yeah. shit, right? Yeah. So... Imagine the early days when Jesus would come on stage. If it's taking too long to lock up, bring, bring it back. back. You would show anyway. Wait, so bring a stack. They were like, they were like, oh my Yo, god! Like, damn me it, and my show wife anyway. to this day. Anytime right. we late, get myself together. I'm gonna right. need about, about like, an hour. Anytime, anytime we leave, we still to Yo, this day, and we finish it each for right. each other. Like, <laughs> like it was like it was nigga like you said. They work nine to five, nigga. Yeah. nigga. Uh, I ain't had to open up a whole thing since 94. Oh, nigga, like, what? I was three years old in 94. But I ain't had to open up a whole thing. I don't care who it is, man. Like I said, that shit just pulls something out of you. Like, it's just like the mixtape, the streets is watching Trapper Die, TM 101, that run. And even the run after that, because we went into, when we did the streets, uh, not streets watch, we did uh, Street Dream mixtape yeah. in between that album and the Inspiration. Mm-hmm. And that was, the, that was the album that had the, the Rocco remix, the Fabo remix, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. That era of yeah. maybe like 04 to about 07, mm-hmm. Jeezy couldn't do no wrong. He said some things that people to this day, like, that shit in my heart, dog. Yeah. I feel that. Like you said, that shit, uh, like, it's gonna get myself together. Yeah, don't about let me go to jail tonight. No, like, even if I'm in danger of going to jail. Like, yo, I'll tell you another record. I'll tell you another, I'll tell you another Jeezy record that people like, yo, um, the Fable remix, when he yeah. say, um, I said, I'm higher than a motherfucker. Right now, I'll shoot a nigga dead in this shit. Right. <laughs> nigga, like, oh my God, me too. Niggas <laughs> <laughs> nigga like, yo, for real? <laughs> me too. I'll shoot a nigga dead in this bitch right now. Uh, yo, man, like, that shit is amazing how he yeah. gets that emotion out of folks, man. And, and I think that's very pop like. Yeah. But again, it's the story. Think about yeah, the story. Yeah, that's why. And that's how I'm just about to say you did a hell of a job with the story. Hey, man, it's the, like, it's the story. Like I said, I Luckily, I mean, I pulled on a lot of real life things. No, but, but it's, it's the about campaign. the presentation. You can, yeah. Everybody, everybody can't tell a story. Right. We can all be here and right. see the same thing, mm-hmm. and one person can, and it's like, oh, that's what happened, mm-hmm. and then someone else can say it, and we die laughing mm-hmm. just because of the the way the story was told. Mm-hmm. So there's like, even though it was it was there, like he's the artist, but you are the artist too. Right. Like there's an art to that. There's an art. Even science is an art. Like mm-hmm. you feel me? So it's like to what you, what you did with bringing that story to the people, right? And helping that that's amazing. It's, it's all shit, about man. it's all about presentation, man. Yeah. Like I said, it, like I said, it was even then it was still transparency because, like I said, it, his life was what his life was. Yeah. But you had to be able to tell it. Like he did a great job of illustrating, and his voice definitely helps. Yeah. Pac's voice helped. You know yeah. what I'm saying? When it sounds like what it is. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes the genius thing is not putting a filter on it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But I, but you know, like I'm, one of my one of my DJs used to say, people eat with their eyes. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's funny. Like I won't bring his name up. He's a rapper here in Atlanta, and um, good looking guy, mm-hmm. really good looking guy, right? And so 
he makes a lot of these street records. Mm-hmm. And I and I know for a fact, me and several other people have said, yo, dog, but if you just go do a girl record, yeah. you'll be out of here because these yeah. girls love you. Like, you really, but you're so stuck doing this street shit, trying to be hard. And the crazy part is, guys actually know what you're about. They understand. We get it. Yeah. Go do the girl record because yeah. that's what you can sell. It has nothing to do with you not looking tough or whatever case may be, but we know for a fact that with the way you look, the way you move, the way you dress, if you do a, the right girl record, yeah. these girls are like, yo, I want him. Like, right. But you out here trying to compete with these ugly rap niggas. I'm like, yo, nigga, <laughs> these niggas doing what they doing because they can't you do what wasting, you do. You wasting what you got. <laughs> I tell you all the time, y'all like, man, it's, it's like being tall and like not trying to play ball. Yeah. It's like, yo, like, at least try. Like, yeah, see, you might like it. You might like it and you might be good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, why are you, you just tall for no reason? Yeah. What, are you, what are you gonna do with What was it? Uh, uh, Lil Bibby. Right. right. It was just like, because you heard the record, everybody talking about, oh, yeah, and then we listen like, that's Bibby. Well, like, this kid Bibby got a heavy voice. Yeah. Like, his voice heavy like a, like I a big fat old be Like 7-Eleven. Like. Bibby got a heavy voice. Yeah. Though, like, for real. But like Bibby. Bibby's another one. He's a good looking yeah. guy. Like that skinny guy. Curly head a whole yeah. lot. Like I said, I think a girl record would help him out tremendously. Yes. But you know like these niggas had these, these war stories and they want to tell them. I yeah. You know, I, I don't knock them for it but I say yo like Again, it's about the story. It's like, but that, that's another thing with story? the balance with that one-dimensional thing. Like back in the day, because we in this singles market, you don't have the room to. Okay, I got the album, so I got my weed so song. I got the song. My mama song. I got my like the the masterpiece format. I got the soldier record, the mama song, yeah. the my dead homie song. My dead homie my song. Mama, you know, dead homie song, right? Yeah. Can't do an album without the dead homie song. So. Yeah. But we so you're single driven. We don't get and to what you do in the club. Depth. Yeah, because the only thing you got to do is make a club record. And what do niggas do in the club? They drink, smoke, holler girls, dance. Yeah. That's that's pretty much your experience at the club. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like you don't get to tell the nobody want to hear dear mama in the club. Never. Nobody want to hear I not even no mother's day. No, <laughs> I don't want to hear a dead homie song in the club. Like dog, my homie's here. Yeah. My homie's right here in the section yeah. with me. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's tough, man. But I but I, I do think that. If an artist is transparent enough yeah. and he's honest enough via social media, me or whatever, I think they will allow you to get some of that stuff off. I think Boosie is allowed to get a lot of things off. Yeah. Because one, Boosie came out in a time where you did have album selling. Yeah. But also Boosie has been very vocal about his kids, about his health, about going yeah. to jail and you know, a lot of the things that he's been honest about in interviews and whatever. So people are like, Hey, I'll take a Dear Mama song or I'll take a Dead homie song, and, but he's like, never had the commercial success of it. No. And, but, he, but he's had success and, and consistent so. success. So, right. like I think, uh, I think that's one of the things everyone aspires to be, the 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 Jeezy the the. And it's only one. That's a it's an anomaly. Like it's really it like when you come to the outlier. It was a lot of stuff that came together to make that work, but is is is. People, you the the probability is heavier for you to be a Boosie, for you to it's be. It's more likely for you to be a Kanye. Okay. Not, not, not <laughs> yeah, Kanye yeah. West, but like but, to be yeah. a college dropout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To have some talent, to be you know be able to wear to dress a little funky and yeah. you know what I'm saying like it's more likely for you to be Kanye than Jeezy. To kill Wiz on social media. But everybody's prone to a to a thirty ninth thing. I like that. I love the shit. He was like, "Yo, I'm, I am your, I'm, a, I'm your OG, and you respect me." And yeah. I, said, that is, I said, "Wow, you, that's amazing. I've never seen that come out of nothing." Especially a rapper, You're like, "Wow, like that was, that was like big." Like I'm sure Wiz read it and was like, 
I don't even know what to say to that. Like, how do you even? That like, but that's like you just gotta. You just gotta just, shut just, up. Yeah, like, 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 let it let it run its course. All right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, but bro, I, I definitely appreciate you coming hey, by. Anytime, like that's that's what this whole thing is about. Just I wanted to give people like a, a, a dose of reality. Like, right. Because we always had these conversations when we mm-hmm. be in the studios and be out at events and stuff like that. Right. And. There's a lot of people. I'm from Indianapolis. There's a mm-hmm. lot of people, there's people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that they can't uproot and move down to Atlanta and can't be around these type of minds and these ideas and some of the stuff that you can land. So right. I just wanted to be able to put it online for for everyone to benefit from. So definitely appreciate you coming through. Absolutely. Um, plug the bite life, bite like yeah, this right. all yeah. <laughs> it's, hey, it's the bite life. T H E B I T E life, man. Um, L I F I L I F E. Um, on everything, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Pinterest, Meerkat, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Snapchat, the whole nine, man. And like I said, this is a, it's gonna be something that is gonna be amazing. It's a food and lifestyle brand that just focuses on, you know, the culture mixed with you know some of the best food and best restaurants and you know all that stuff, man. It's like think Food Network meets Vibe magazine. You know, so yeah. if that makes any sense, dog. Like, I really. I got a passion for the food. I got a passion for the culture, and I just want to show another side of us. Yeah. I want to show us graduating to something beyond, you know, bitches and blunts. And it's like, yo, like we do go on dates. You know what I'm saying? We do make reservations for Valentine's Day. We do, you know, celebrate a promotion. You know, we do when we, you know, when we're sad, we drink. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We we eat ice cream. You know, we do the whole thing like. I just want to show that side of us, man. I just want to show another piece of the culture. Yeah. And I think that... Outside of soul food. Outside of soul food. Like, I de- we, definitely we still so. do soul food. Definitely so. we still... We have... Definitely so. Yeah. But I almost, I almost want to bring almost a sneaker culture type aesthetic to it. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, when sneakers come out, everybody's like, y'all want to be the first to have them so I can Instagram it. Yeah. My whole thing is like, yo, when the restaurant opens up, I'm like, y'all want to be the first one. Yeah. Up in there, so I can tell y'all, like, yo, y'all don't I want to go to the soft lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just why y'all don't want to go down there. Like, it's cool, but I want to be that guy. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who are like me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, you know, like so some people are into gadgets and mm. iPhones and cameras and what I, you know, Apple Watches and all that. Me, I'm into the newest restaurant, the newest thing. You know what I'm saying? Because I like to. That's what I like to do. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I want to tell that story from my perspective. I want to tell people like, yo, that shit's whack. Yeah. Like, yo, y'all gotta stop going to Red Lobster inside <laughs> there. Like, dog, that's that's not fine. Red Lobster is not fine dining. Yeah. I grew up eating Red Lobster every like every special occasion. Yeah. I was at Red Lobster. Yeah. But as I got older, my, my palate changed. And commercialized. I, and I, yeah, and I realized like, oh, that's not that's not fine dining. That's not fine dining. Like that's just not the cheapest of food. <laughs> there, you, there you go. There you go. There you go, man. So um, it's a it's a way to entertain. It's a way to educate, and it's going to be something very very cool that I think people will really appreciate, man. And you know the good thing about it is I get to talk to some of the same people I dealt with in the music business. I get to talk to Two Chains and Jeezy and everybody else, but just from a different perspective and ask them questions that nobody else is is asking them. So will we see a review on that Chantrell's plate? Like- <laughs> we, we will, but I'm gonna tell you something. I hate Chantrell's. I hate Chantrell's. Always have. And Jeezy, they used to get it and bring it to the office for lunch. And I used to be like, I don't like this. It's too fancy. It's soul food, but it's too fancy. But they loved it, and it is what it is. But again, I'll tell those stories, and I, and I you know, and, and like I said, man, we're gonna do a lot of cool things with it, man. And I think people will get a kick out of it. But also, um, you know, the most interesting thing about it for me, from a business standpoint, is I get to do this interesting cross section between the food world and the music. So I get to pull 
subject matter and content, but also advertisers yeah. from the food world as well as the, you know from the from the culture. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not limited to just craft uh, and General Mills and Kellogg's, yeah. but I'm also not just limited to Def Jam, Atlantic, and some indie label. Like I can kind of get everybody involved. And um, like I said, man, the best thing in the world I've ever done with the Bite Life is ask questions that no one else was able to ask. Mm-hmm. Because when you sit down with an artist, typically you're going to ask them what's you know what's going on with the album, yeah. what's going on with the single, when's the album dropping, who's featured on the album, and those are pretty much your list of questions. <laughs> the most redundant questions yeah. in the world. But when I sit down with them, I'm like, listen, man, tell me about the last time you got really, really drunk. Yeah. Tell me about the best meal you ever had. Tell me if your last meal on earth, what would it be? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you eat blue cheese or a ranch with your hot wings. And some of the yeah, answers, selfish allergy. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, but you know, it be it's funny because like some of the answers that you'll get. Yeah. I know we supposed to be wrapping up, and I'm sorry, but I, I'm so excited about this. Yeah. But like some of the answers that you get, like when I say like you eat hot wings, dog, they be like, yeah. I so see you eat ranch and blue cheese. I don't eat none of that shit. Man. I don't like that shit. Like for real, you don't like that? you don't like neither one. Well, like me, I'm a blue cheese. So somebody said ranch, I'm like ranch. Man, I don't need either. Like I'm like that's funny. Uh, garlic parmesan. Like or See? a nice rub, like. Really? I just, but you know what? This is a crazy thing. Like, and that's what, what I was born in Phoenix, mm-hmm. raised in Indianapolis, right? And I just never felt black because I didn't play basketball. Ha! I didn't like chicken. Wow! I only like white meat. I couldn't when Me I was so younger. Right. I couldn't figure it out because right. I I eat this and it'd be good, and then I eat this. I'm like ah, oh, this shit's yeah, nasty. Right, right. So you like white meat? Me too. Me too. So and um like and don't like watermelon. Like it just like. A mouthful of juice and right. grain, right? <laughs> and it's like no real flavor. Uh, like I like an orange or an apple. Like <laughs> so, it's like certain things that you like. My wife just got me eating wings like two years ago. Wow! Now like I love them. Like, wow! <laughs> two years ago. Two years ago. Wings. That's amazing. Yeah. I've never heard nobody say that. That is amazing. Like, I was thirty. Like, <laughs> but those are things like yeah. I said. Those, those little anecdotes like that of you just saying you started eating wings two years ago is interesting to me and it's also interesting to others because people are like. Cause I'm promise you, there's some people out here that's just like, yo, I don't eat wings either. Yeah. And I feel the same way you feel. I don't feel. I ain't never feel really black either. Yeah. I don't like chicken. Yeah. I don't like watermelon. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I got people who are allergic to both of those things. Yeah. Like allergic to chicken and allergic to watermelon. I'm yeah. like, you're black, dog. Like, yeah. are you allergic to chicken? <laughs> that's just amazing to me. But I mean, some of the stories that I've heard thus far, and just the different, you know, the different aspects that we've been able to explore, mm-hmm. have just been so dope. And I mean, the cool thing about it is. A lot of these entertainers are opening up restaurants yeah. and endorsing liquors and doing yeah. all these things that are in the food space, you know, opening up healthy juice spots and smoothie spots and all these things. It's like, yo, where do they go to get the word out about that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are business ventures that, where do you go if you're in the hip-hop space and you have a new business venture? That's, you know, like, it's like, XXL may cover it, Vibe yeah. may cover it, or whatever the case may be, but, like, who's going to come and do, like, an in-depth story about what it is and why you didn't and get the real details because that's just like the supplemental content that's the right. like it's a, maybe a column maybe right a maybe little, yeah maybe like you know that might be a tweet yeah yeah like and that's it you know what <laughs> i'm saying so i feel like there's so there's there's so much content there and then again some of it is not even about the entertainment this is just about just being a consumer so you know, yeah. it's really for the people who follow me on, on online and i'm like y'all gonna go try this new restaurant out or hey for valentine's day i'm not just gonna go eat you know, I'm gonna eat in the kitchen with the chef. I'm not gonna do the the dining room thing. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna show y'all some other real player shit that yeah. you may not have known about. Or I'm you know I'm, I'm gonna put you on the different stuff like that, man. And um, it's cool, man. Like I I'm really excited about it. I get to hang with celebrities and pretty women and my my partners and 
you know, get full and, and sometimes drunk. Yeah. For work. You know what I'm saying? You know, if you uh, if you got any tip positions, like uh, hey man, on, yeah, hey man, I, I would love to have you, man. We gotta we gotta talk anyway, man. So, but I thank you for having me. Like I said, at yeah. the bite life on everything, T H E B I T E L I F E on everything, and um, follow me, man. Turn up. All right.